Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Sisters of the Leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys congregate via live video, thanks coronavirus you giant asshole, to talk their way through the Erica Strata starring 1990 action-packed epic Guns, while experiencing the heavy firepower of the Treaky Traka cigar from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, paired with enough craft beers to kill a man. But not these men, oh no. Their livers are bulletproof, ladies and gentlemen. At least for another two weeks. So sit back, folks, light them up, and enjoy the show. You know, boys, uh, tonight's film got me thinking. Oh yeah? You know, when I start thinking, good shit happens. Things happen. Things happen, yeah. Um, It always leads to things. Uh... Two tonight's movie, and then one earlier. Uh, they both involved really kick-ass secret agents that belong to uh, agencies that use acronyms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did the girl from Bikini. Yes. B period I period K period I period N period I period. Yeah. That stood for the Bureau of International Knowledge, Intelligence, and Non-Standard Investigations. All right. Yeah. If you remember the acronym right there, if you remember the non-standard investigations where the chick blew everybody like to get, to get answers for their, their mysteries. Um, And then tonight the, uh, the ladies, they're called the lethal ladies, L period, E period, T period, H period, A period, L period. And that stands for the Legion to ensure total harmony and law. Total harmony. Lethal. So we've talked in the past about changing the name of the podcast. Okay. Um, we can't do a lot of advertising and promotion because we have the word cigar in our name. Yeah. Yeah. So we've kicked around some ideas. Uh, nobody likes my ideas. You guys don't come up with any ideas. So, we, <laughs> so we've been stuck with Tuesday Night Cigar Club. But I'm like, you know what? I looked at Bikini. I looked at Lethal. I like the way that looks with the 
the period the periods you know, the, the periods in there and it's like okay so i was like let me just start brainstorming this and see maybe maybe this is a a, a spark that could bring us our new name fun okay um so what Listen to this. So I try to I try to incorporate what we're known for, what's unique about us, and I came up with a few. If one is fire, I'll stop. If if you guys are like that's it, then boom, I'm moving on, and that's our new name. Okay. Yeah. Number one. Number one. The silly, hilarious, absurdly ridiculous team podcast. We're silly. We're hilarious. We can tend to be absurd and ridiculous, but we're a team. Sort podcast? Um, that that sounds nice. Yeah. I can dig it. You know, team. Hey, who doesn't like a team? But as an acronym, that's not that's not really good. Well, I I should say I kind of threw these together. I didn't actually look to see what the acronyms spelled. If if anything, I guess that's probably important. What what does that spell, Yanks? Shit. It's spelled shit. Silly, hilarious, absurdly ridiculous team. Oh, that's shart. That's shart. when you that's when you fart and some shit comes out. That's that's that, okay. That one's not good. Okay. Yeah, shart pod. No, I don't. I should so. I should okay. Well, you know, you live, you learn. But we could have T-shirts that say I sharted. Yeah. Two every Tuesday night, I'm sharting. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in a maybe pile. Okay. Well, listen, this next one's a little deeper, a little headier, but it focuses on our bond as friends in these stressful times of 2020. Okay. Like this, the quarantine unrest, but enjoying every friendship podcast. Um, that's positive. It it's is. It's addressing that there's big things going in the world, but we're enjoying each other every other Tuesday night. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead and put that in the the negative pile. Why is that? Um, that that spells queef as an acronym. Queef, the queef podcast. Yeah, that wouldn't be. That's not. Okay. Todd, are you maybe on that? Or are you gonna? No, I I don't want to design that shirt. Okay. Okay. All right. Obviously, I, I misjudged here by not looking at what the acronym. I got I got one more. Because we're considered considered small time compared to uh, some other cigar media juggernauts, but we like being small time. We like being uh, who we are. I came up with this micro because we are small time. The micro party for everyone, not including suckers podcast. Yeah, it's a micro party. We're smaller. Everyone's included, except for except for suckers. Does that one work for you guys? No, it doesn't. What is that one? What's wrong with that one? That's micro penis. That would be the micro penis podcast. Micro penis podcast. I'm fairly certain there's one out there already for that. It's not anything to do with cigars. Tut, would you want to design that shirt? <laughs> I'm not saying that I, I wasn't hired by the Micropenis podcast to design a shirt for that. But huh. Okay. I tried to, but they threw the design away. They said it was too small. 
look, I'm just going to say it, it is a tremendous amount of work preparing for these shows. And I, I thought I was, um, okay. Well, you know what? I misspoke. I got one more. And that, that's what are the odds of those three? Okay. Last one. I think this sums us up simply short, sweet. What do you guys think of this one? Because people come to us to laugh because people come to us for two, three hours to be entertained. I just want to put that out there in the title. In your face. Right. This one's right in your face, Todd. The hilarious offerings. Many others seek podcast. It, It tells you that people are coming to find us. It lets people know we're popular. They're coming to us for the chuckles. Yax, you on board with that one? We got a winner. No. The hilarious offerings many others seek podcast. What's wrong with that one? Because that that as an acronym spells homos. I think subconsciously we're H-O-M-O. That was micro penis and now homos. You know what? I, as I as I write these out with the periods in them, you got you're right, yeah. Cause that does that does spell homos. I'm just gonna have to say no to to, to everything. Y- y- which one you were you were on the fence with shark? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm not. Uh, now that I know what it so so these are all bad. These are all okay. Uh, we'll we'll just stick with TNCC for now. Hey, that's an acronym. That stands for something. It does. It does. It stands for the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Yes, it does. So we'll we'll roll with that for a little while. I haven't given up on this new name thing, but uh, uh, and you you guys are definitely not down for the micro penis podcast. No. No. Okay. I could make it shorter. You guys could be in and out of this thing in like a half hour. No. Okay. Uh, I swear, everyone's a critic nowadays. Everyone's a critic. Well, tonight, so help me God, we're going to be the critics. We're going to criticize shit tonight, and God help anybody who gets in our way. I can stand behind that. Welcome, everybody, to the micro I mean, uh, welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 127. Woohoo! 127. Thank you for joining us. Tut, you look sharp as hell with your bolo tie and your country blazer. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very I'm much. Convinced that's the only reason you uh, selected tonight's movie. We'll get to that later. Uh, I took a risk, Yax, letting this guy pick the movie. I took a risk. Oh, come on, come on. Uh, did it pan out? You're just gonna have to stick around to see, folks, because as you know, we are silly, we're hilarious, we're absurdly ridiculous, and we're a team. But that spells shart, so we won't. We're the shart podcast. <laughs> Uh, before we begin, enough joking. I want to talk about something serious. Straighten up, boys. Wipe those smiles off your face. <sighs> Operation Cigars for Warriors. Any of you who've ever watched our videos, our opening credits on the episodes, are going to our webpage. You will see uh, the logo for Cigars for Warriors. It is our uh, chosen charity that we uh, like to support above all others because it is very entwined with the cigar culture, as are we. And our buddy Storm, uh, who founded and runs Cigars for Warriors, put out a press release earlier this week that said Cigars for Warriors is conducting a fundraising drive between November 11th, which is today when we're recording this, Veterans Day, and December 1st, which is Giving Tuesday. 
the charity suffered uh, from a dramatic drop in donations, uh, both in cigars and operating funds due to canceled events and shop closures, mainly driven by, you know, COVID-19 shutting everything down. These guys would go all over the country. Volunteers uh, would go to cigar shops, Mm -hmm. hold events, get donations, both money to pay for the postage to ship cigars overseas. People would buy one stick for themselves and drop another one in the donation box. When we go to the Drew Estate barn smokers around the country, at the end of every barn smoker, um, all the raffle money that everyone, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars that people would uh, put into raffle tickets to win uh, really cool prizes, uh, Drew Estate would match that, sometimes exceed that, uh, be a well beyond the match. And we saw a big prices right checks for you know fifteen plus grand at yeah, these that's events. Yeah, pretty cool. Going to Cigars for Warriors, which they which they desperately need. As a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization, CFW relies one hundred percent on raffle ticket sales, cigar donations, cash donations, and grants to operate. Uh, donation centers, event coordinators, volunteer supporters. Everyone, including you, our audience, I'm asking you to share this information with our networks and encourage everyone to direct, directly donate to Cigars for Warriors through their website. Um, or this is where I'm going to um, sacrifice something from the TNCC to help the greater good. Um, if you would, for the next uh, two months... There's a, we can't do that. Usually when you buy from Amazon, as I know all of you do, you go to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club homepage, click the Amazon banner, and then shop that way. And we get a little, um, a little something to keep the lights on. Well, I'm asking you for the rest of the year, um, because they are a 501c3 charity, you can actually go on Amazon and select under charities. It's called Amazon Smiles Program. Select Cigars for Warriors. And from that point on, everything you order that's eligible, Cigars for Warriors will get a donation from that. So if you're a lazy asshole like me who orders paper towels and like every day I'm ordering just random shit from Amazon, everything I order, a little chunk of that goes to Cigars for Warriors. Um, So it would really make some soldiers that are out there um, kicking ass and putting their lives on the line so that we can get drunk every other Tuesday and smoke cigars. Uh, it's the least you can do. If you enjoy uh, living in a free America is to show these boys some love, donate some money via Amazon. If you are a cigar smoker, go into your shop. That's if it's a cigars warriors donation center, drop off some cigars, put 20 bucks in the thing. Every little bit helps, but that Amazon thing is so easy. You just set it up once yeah. and oh. you're all set. So don't, Support Tuesday Night Cigar Club the rest of the year. Support Cigars for Warriors. When it, comes to, when it comes to Amazon, keep listening to us. But. <laughs> yeah, there's other ways to support us. Listening yeah. to us is cool. Yeah. Uh, telling us how great we are. That that that, that supports us. It's uh, a great organization. Um, we wouldn't uh, talk about them um, as frequently as we do and stand up for them if, if Storm wasn't just the best of the best. Uh, yeah. I've, been, I've been friends yeah, with the guy amazing. for... Uh, hell, that's a good a message. De- a decade now, so um, do something you'll feel good about it. Support Cigars for Warriors any way you can. And uh, what I'm going to do is from the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, a little special something for the boys and gals uh, overseas. 
we got um, in the mail last week, I believe, uh, a little gift from our one of our great sponsors, J.C. Newman. And oh, yeah, yeah, J.C. Newman Cigar Company. We uh, featured the Culebra. <laughs> uh, it's the yeah. snake cigar that the three cigars that are the three, braided. Yeah, yeah. We featured this on an episode not too long ago as our follow-up cigar, and we all couldn't believe how for such a weird shape. <laughs> cigar yeah the the maduro that i had was was very legit i was they, i loved it they smoked awesome um and yeah there's three different blends in here and they're all uh, uh coiled around each other it's just a really cool thing and i was like they were like you know what we've we've got some extra and we're sent to you you can use them for giveaways um smoke them yourself whatever you want to do with them we're sending them so i got three boxes of uh these calibras and i was like you know what it's veterans day and I know they get a ton of cigars over there, but I don't know that they get a ton of kind of unique um, presentations. And uh, Culebra, Culebra is one of the weirdest, oddest uh, presentations cigars come in. So I'm actually also gonna... think to kind of I also think it kind of fits because someone can pass the other two cigars out to two of his buddies. And the whole and that's concept what on, that's what you do in the unit. The whole concept of the Culebra is to share it with two friends. Uh, it's a cigar made to be unwrapped and shared amongst friends. So, well, the brotherhood or their, their sisters are uh, around the campfire, uh, wherever they may be. They can like uncoil this. some of these and uh, they look ridiculous when you smoke them. So they can take some great pics of them with their crooked cigars. Like we said, they <laughs> smoke great. That was, we couldn't believe how good they smoke. Um, so I got three of these boxes. I'm going to be going down um, to my local Cigars Warriors donation center. Uh, I think Friday and uh, going to drop these in the drop these in a $20 bill in the tiller. And uh, it just, it makes you feel good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, um, that's the, that, I think that's the perfect thing to do with those. That's not what you said before the show. You said that you wanted them. And they, Don't out me. Oh, well, we can add that out. I'm sorry. No, he never said that. <laughs> just teasing. Uh, so if by some chance I might have thought it, <laughs> if so, by some chance uh, there's there's some some gunnery sergeants over there listening to Tuesday Night Cigar Club, and they happen to get these, send us some pics of you and your tank smoking these crooked cigars, and that'd be the coolest thing ever. I will have. Uh, I can't. Uh, man, I cannot remember the dude's name on Facebook now, but he always sends great, great uh, pics from downrange of the. Uh, people smoking cigars for warrior stuff. I'm going to be looking for that, for that stuff. Cause you know, uh, we're the only ones who sent it. Yeah. And you know, he, you know, he's going to, they're going to be like, thanks cigar coop. I'm like, oh. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> he's like our Newman. Coop. Coop. Coop actually said some really nice things about us recently. I, I'm, I, I, I like coop. Okay. Yeah, um, too. I put a billboard outside of his house. Oh, was that you? What? What? How much did that cost us? What cost what? You know what, folks? Scrap that. If you could continue to buy things on Amazon under the TNCC <laughs> banner, uh, let, the troops will be just fine. Let them fend for themselves. Their cigar dojo's problem now. <laughs> um. That's another cigar media uh, entity. Uh, like I said, we are micro 
Those boys are macro. <laughs> They're macro penises, damn it. Wait, I, that didn't come out right. Uh, where was I? What, where am I? What's going on here? Uh, okay, so we talked about Cigars for Warriors. We have one last piece of business before we get into what we do, which I'm going to let Yak Boy tell you about after this. Uh, we do it very well, and uh, we've been doing it for six years, maybe. But as we often – actually, we went through a long stretch where we didn't have to fill the boot for anybody, like months yeah. months. Yeah. This is our third show in a row, fill the boot. And I bet you boys didn't see this one coming, did you, when I texted no, you? No, no, I did well, not. So – Two shows ago, it was Eddie Van Halen. That was a unanimous one. Yeah. Um, last show was Sean Connery. I got yeah. outvoted. Um, I thought because he was a he, he physically abused his first wife, he shouldn't get in. But he, <laughs> these guys were okay with it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, and, and, Suck it, Cade. <laughs> well, tonight. Uh, I texted the boys uh, a kind of a, a curveball for the boot uh, yesterday. Yeah, and, it was. And uh, it may have been a curveball, but you guys both responded pretty quickly that you were on board with it. So here's why uh, I did what I did tonight. Oh, and I guess I should tell the newcomers to the show very briefly. Uh, whenever a cultural icon or someone who meant a lot to us, whether it be uh, music, television, film, um, someone who, who the weight of their career really um, is going to stay with us and has been with us for uh, the majority of our lives. Uh, we want to pay them a little bit of tribute. So we fill up the boot of remembrance. We've been doing this for six years now, I guess. And by filling the boot in their honor, it uh, traps their souls, which have been floating around in um, some form of purgatory uh, up until then. And by me chugging the beer, it releases their soul into the cosmos Heaven, Eddie Van Halen, eh, Sean Connery, I don't know. Uh, but wherever they're intended to go, we don't have any say in that. They just, they go where they go, but they can't get there until I chug the fucking boot. And tonight, I'm going to chug this fucking boot for two gentlemen who you most likely won't recognize their names, but they are most deserving of this honor nonetheless. I want to take a few minutes to give a brief but very well-deserved shout-out to the co-creators of Scooby-Doo, Ken Spears and Joe Ruby. Spears passed away Monday at the age of 82, and his animation partner, Joe Ruby, died just three months earlier at the age of 87. How cool and weird is that? Yeah. They, within three months, these old guys that work together their whole lives, do you think we're going to die around the same time? I hope not. I don't know. You might say it's a mystery. It might be a mystery to um, I hope not. I hope I outlive you guys by a lot, a, a lot of, a lot of years. Uh, I hope you do too. Oh, you just had to say that so you look like the better man. No, I really want you to live until you're 117. Uh, well, thanks. Um, I wouldn't put any money on that. <laughs> oh, I'm not. <laughs> Uh, well, these talented mofos created Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, back in 1969. <sighs> 69. I had that worked into another podcast name, but I that, I picked up on that one. Like, oh, that, 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 that one would be good. With both of my young daughters, it is the one and only pop 
culture entity from my childhood that we've all been able to enjoy together. Star Wars, nope. Smurfs, nah. Spider-Man, nope. I've tried and failed to get my girls interested in any of these classic franchises that I loved when I was a kid, but it took zero efforts to get them on board and enjoy Scooby-Doo in all its shapes and forms. There's been so many different uh, renditions uh, just on the animated side. There's been feature yeah. films. There's been a brand new kind of fancy animated film. They, they love it all. And I do too. Um, even the more geared for teens and adult children like myself, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, uh, which is on Netflix now, I highly encourage you to check it out. It's episodic. Like they tell a story over three seasons. It's not like wrapped up at the end. They have the, you know, the, oh, cool. The, they yeah. have they have the ghoul every episode, but it's all leading up to a, a really big mystery. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's end. cool. It's really cool. And they also reference a ton of like classic horror films during it. Um, so it, like the fog and you know, Romero flicks. And it's just it's it's very much geared towards, like I said, grown children like myself. But the kids still love it. It's still got the, the core Scooby-Doo stuff. Yeah. And naturally, when we watched uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, 1998's uh, Scooby, it was a Scooby-directed DVD film. The villain was Adrian Barbeau. So I'm watching with the kids, and I hear that voice. Oh, do you want a do you want a Scooby snack, baby? And I'm just like, yeah. and like and my daughters are like, what the hell's wrong with this idiot? Um, they did not share my enthusiasm or giddy uh, schoolboy. Uh, Whatever the hell that was, um, but that's there's still time for them to learn about Adrian Barbeau. We'll get there. We'll get there. Everybody needs to learn about Adrian Barbeau. In, in due time, my friend. In due time. Scooby Doo is a franchise that has always been able to stay fresh, funny, and viable over the years. Whether you're four years, whether you're a four year old, uh, four year old girl, or a man approaching his mid thirties, such as myself. Uh huh. Spears and Ruby's production company also produced. Get this. Thundar the Barbarian, yes. the, pla- the Plastic Man comedy and adventure show. Love that one. Those yes. two were big time favorites of mine. And they also produced Mr. T, Rambo, and Chuck Norris's Karate Commandos cartoons. Saw that. <laughs> oh. just, just awesomeness. So to me personally, filling the boot of remembrance uh, to these old bastards and honor them tonight was a no-brainer. Absolutely. And I know what you're thinking, uh, Tut. Sadly, I did hours of research and I've concluded that Ken Spears is not adult film star Randy Spears' father, grandfather, or even his uncle. Um, and considering his recent death, I don't think they appreciate me calling and asking so many questions about Randy Spears. Uh, they, they seem kind of put off by it, but hey, I'm cigar media. I got, I got a job to do here. Um, we can't everything, we can't have everything work out the way we want to. Wouldn't it be cool if the, if the creator of Scooby-Doo was Randy's porn star, Randy Spears' grandpa? Pulls off the, pulls off the mask. You're Randy Spears' grandpa. Randy Spears? <laughs> yeah, and I would have got that money shot if it weren't for you meddling kids. Uh, my childhood. <laughs> um, so, boys, uh, I will let you uh, talk. Uh, if you have anything you'd like to say about Scooby-Doo, are these great men who brought us so many great cartoons? I imagine. Well, I, imagine I imagine. Yaks, you were the biggest 
animation cartoon lover I've ever met in my life. I imagine uh, you. You've oh, got I've, I've got one question, and then this, you know, take a second to think about it. Velma. What original of the original team up shows back in the seventies, seventies, eighties? Which one was your favorite? Oh, that's a that's an unfair question. The original what? I'm sorry. The the team up shows. Oh, like Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, I love Batman and Robin from Super Friends when they teamed up with Scooby. Oh, and man, Batman. yeah. But, but, this is, man, the Globetrotters were, were great. Um, but you know what? Jonathan Winters was so good. Um, and I was a big Jonathan Winters comedy fan. Um, I'm going to go Jonathan Winters. I think that's the one that's kind of the most, like, why would you put this old ass comedian with a we do <laughs> like what kids are going to be sitting at home like, like yeah Jonathan Winters uh, was that the right answer yet well, no no that's your answer I just I was, oh. I was curious what's your what's your answer I was for whatever reason yeah I don't know everybody always thinks of the Globetrotters or or Batman but I'm gonna sit here and go for whatever reason whatever this episode like you know comes on I just I stop and I just become engrossed in it. The episode with Mama Cass in the candy factory. I don't know why. That is an odd one. Slimy, taffy. That is an odd one. And I'm like. Do you think they asked her, like, what? so what do you want us to draw you doing with Scooby in the game? Maybe we could could be at a deli or something. And they're like, well, that's not fun for kids. How How about a candy factory? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Dude, no, why can't she been, you know, investigating, you know, some sort of music thing? I don't know, but he's just <laughs> like, put her in a candy factory. Maybe her episode could have been, you know, centered around music. No, no. <laughs> candy. Well, they weren't so oh, sensitive to those things, I don't think, back in back in those days. Um, she she should have been. If I were her, I'd be like, are "You kidding? What the me? hell, guys? Come on! Look, this is turning around to where I'm like questioning some of uh, these Joe Ruby and, and Spears." Uh, <laughs> uh, that, okay, that that was a good one. Uh, about your years was uh, Batman. I'm assuming. No, actually, uh, man, I know the the musician in me should be the, uh, and I was. It made me think of him, so I've been listening to him all day. The uh, great, late great Jerry Reed, yeah, uh, he oh, yeah. did a deal on there. Man, it's hard to argue against the Jonathan Winters one. Uh, <laughs> but then you know, he also uh, one another one. I even I even like the Sonny and Cher one, even though I'm not a big Sonny and Cher. Uh, I want to say Phyllis. I want to say Phyllis. But that was a good one. Yeah, Phyllis was on there. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, it's tough. It's either going to be the Adams family or Don Knotts. Uh, I like to I like Don Knotts. Oh, and uh, who's the other? Oh, the oh crap. The he was also in the Carol Burnett show. I can see his bald head. Tim. Oh, Tim Conway. Tim Conway was on there. That was pretty cool. I'm going to go with Don Knotts. I really like that one. I I I'm ashamed to say. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. I'm going to have to go. Uh... Go oh, see man. it out. Those, those are all good. I mean, like, I will, you know, like I said, everyone, everyone always like from those, they, they tend to think of the Globetrotters. They tend to think of Batman, but 
Yeah. Like you just said, it's winners for the me. villains? Um, okay, well, Who's your favorite a. villain? Oh, jeez. I like the one where at the end, uh, you you kind of thought you knew who it was, but then no. But I mean, just like the the not, was, not whoever the the person was. Who, I didn't care once. I didn't care once it was old man whatever. But I mean, just the creature, the ghost, or whatever. Oh, see, I'm 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 a I'm a hardcore guy. I was gonna give you. It was Mr. Whitaker. He ran the he he ran the old rundown amusement park. That was my favorite villain. I don't even remember his costume because that character was so real. And so hardened. And when he looked into those kids' eyes, you could tell that if they hadn't stopped him, he would have just killed a gazillion people. Who did Mr. Whitaker play? I just talking shit. Is that a no, Mr. Whitaker. Oh, okay. Uh, I, for me, huh? Isn't that the android at the amusement park? For me, there I was. I thought so. Yeah. For me, there was never. Um, it went about the villains. I mean, there's some great ones, but I mean, it was it was just creeper, creeper, and yeah, probably. Come on, and, creeper, minor forty niner, the Black yeah, Knight. Yeah, the minor. Uh, but real quick, I, I don't want to make this a Scooby Doo episode. Uh, <laughs> like Zoinks, it's forty five minutes, and they're still talking about it. Um. My whole point is there's a wealth you can net, you can't watch all the Scooby Doo stuff. No, I've ordered uh, DVDs of this this really obscure morning a pup named Scooby Doo where they're all little kids growing up yeah. in the eighties. There's um, the scrap. Don't get me started on Scrappy Doo. Um, oh man, they've got a new uh, comic book line on D- in DC Comics, uh, Scooby Doo. It's a post-apocalyptic setting where the Scooby gangs uh, they they meet up at Burning Man. They're investigating a bioterrorist factory, and then things go wa- wild, and they usher us into the post-apocalypse. Shag- and the the illustration looks fucking amazing. It's cool. Shaggy at Burning Man. Yeah, who saw that like, coming? Like Zoinks, Fred, I'm tripping balls. <laughs> um, uh, we'll fill that puppy. Yeah, it's that puppy it's out. And, That's enough uh, about Scooby Doo. You know what I'm saying? I talk so much, I'm starting to resent Scooby Doo a little bit. Um, but no, uh, my God, uh, for me and uh, you guys sing a Scooby Doo song while I chug the boot. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? Something, yeah, something. Something, something, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something, something. Da 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 or at least the skeleton. Thank you, Cade. The astronaut. You think that, Good you think, call. Do you think Ruby and Spears are like, we would have been in heaven two weeks ago if it weren't for you meddling podcasters? <laughs> uh, moving on. What do we do every uh, episode, Yaks? Besides chug IPAs. Ugh. Three things. 
no particular order, but we'll start with, we like to take a cigar. Uno. And pair it with a beer. Dos. And all whilst we review a film. Tres. We talk about a cigar, we talk about a beer, we talk about a film, and we try to tie them all together thematically. See, we might be a micro penis podcast, but we pair shit better than any other cigar podcast on the scene. Okay. Eh? You can <laughs> shirt to that one. <laughs> any other cigar media comes up saying they pair shit better than us, we will shart all over them. Definitely shart all over you. We'll definitely shard all. Uh, not like. Don't even try it. It's COVID. I don't go around anybody anyway. I, I shard on them like metaphysically. <laughs> but Cody, <laughs> Cody will queef right in their face. He doesn't give a shit. He's hardcore. I don't think that word means what I think it means. Anyway, we'll talk about that. At, at we'll talk about that on break. Um, <laughs> kind of a sheltered childhood. Tonight's cigar is the. Let me make sure I'm pronouncing this right. Triki Traka. Triki Traka. The Mi Carita Triki Traka by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. It is a 5 by 52 Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Dominican and Nicaraguan fillers. <clears throat> I'll say price point for last, as always. So before Dunbarton's uh, Steve Saka makes his usually snickering remarks about the length of our show, every time we feature a show, he's like, I'd love to know what the guys think, but, you know, who's got four hours to uh, – a lot of people, Steve, a lot of people. Yeah, we, we get it, Steve. We get emails. They want it longer. We just uh, – we got we to gotta stop at some point. I just want to mention he makes a 7 by 64 version of tonight's cigar. That took Charlie over at halfwheel.com an average of four hours to smoke. Don't forget your cold draw notes. You forgot. You oh, I just, yeah, that, that cold draw just st- stood right out. You lit up too, don't, uh, too fast last time. So, dude, there's a 7 by 64 this thing. Charlie smoked three of them for review on Halfwheel, and the average smoking time was four hours. So, dude, Steve could have sent us those instead, and that would have lasted us perfectly. <laughs> but no, he gives us the shortest, the shortest one. Just Thanks, saying, Steve. Hey, Snicker. Yeah, I can Snicker. We can Snicker too. Um, <laughs> oh, we like Steve, uh, and we like Micaritas. Get this: the Micarita uh, Anco Largo, Ancho Largo. I think it's Anco. Uh, we featured way back on episode forty-two. We named it our number one cigar of the year back in two thousand sixteen. And then we reviewed the original Mi Carita Firecracker on episode 76, and it got our number 10 cigar of the year in 2018. And this is actually this blend tonight, the Tricky <laughs> Traka. Uh, I cannot say it. I can't want to say Tricky. That's Tricky. Um, is actually a variation of that Firecracker blend um, that was so successful for Steve. So will the Mikorita winning streak continue tonight? <laughs> the doctor's not here, so I'll say it for him. It's far too early to tell. But with these cigars, I also uh, acquired Steve's personal notes on the cigar. So before I ask you guys about your cold draw, whenever I get Steve's personal uh, notes. Can I turn my – I'm going to turn my ear 
phones off real quick. It always well, I for, I guess it was the fog. Maybe we smoked the 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 Mikarita in. I where, think so. Because I ended up reading Steve's personal uh, tasting notes in the Adrian Barbeau fog voice, and the next every sock of cigar since then I've read his notes because they just read like super sexy. Uh, and I, whenever something reads super sexy, you gotta do it. So here we go. This is what uh, Steve Saka has to say about tonight's cigar as delivered by Stevie Wayne from the fog. Me Caridi, me Carita, Trica Traca is arguably our boldest cigar release to date, baby. And I will insert babies where they, they need to be. I should mention that. Triki Traca is local Nicaraguan slang for oversized firecrackers that are connected by fuses and a long serial string. These explosive ropes <laughs> are then laid down the center of the street and sometimes stretch multiple blocks. Ignited from one end, they explode in a cascading line of powerful concussions and blinding light down the entire length of the street, baby. Triki Traka are often ignited on the celebration of important religious and national holidays. This cultural icon is an ideal moniker for the power and the explosive nature of this cigar, honey. At its core, it remains our quintessential Mikarita blend with its earthy, sweet broadleaf notes, but with the incorporation of a couple refinements. The Kappa has been switched from the traditional Connecticut broadleaf mediums to the rare number one dark Corona leaves lover, plus a unique high-octane Lajero grown in the Dominican Republic has also been introduced into the Liga. The resulting cigar retains its inherent sweet loam and chocolate characteristics, yet delivers a significantly fuller-bodied smoking experience. Please understand this is an ideal smoking experience. This is not an ideal smoking experience for all, but rather it is a Liga intended for those who crave the heaviest, of Maduro smokes, baby. That's sexy. It is. He just we'll writes. Say. He just writes about cigars very, mm-hmm. very sexily. Sexily. It's a Sorry, word. Sorry, my uh, my marketing. Bug. You say, you say that every time we do it. I know. But I, I will say that. this. Right off the cold draw, chocolate and toffee. I mean, it was just in your face. Boom, here's you some chocolate toffee. It's almost like sucking on a Tootsie Roll there. Uh, the look of this thing, rustic. Uh, it's got a nice, nice brown, but it's not like it's not like that Maduro dark. It's just, just it, it's, like, it's got a little bit of a rust to it. It's just nice and rustic. Mine's got some really nice tooth. It's got the it's got the rush, you know, running fingers, and you can actually see the toothiness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mine's a really dark brown, but man, some oils there. I got, yeah. I got, I got straight up leather uh, smell on the the broadleaf itself, and then on the cold draw, I got some like, man, it was like a combination of like you said, like chocolate, but I also got some nut, like a cashew kind of flavor coming through there. And yeah, I got, I got toffee. It, it's it it's nice. It's sexy as hell. Um, it's sexy as hell. <laughs> it made my voice go into, oh yeah, you know it. 
um, so yeah, I, I, I've never had one of these. So, um, well, actually that's, that's not right. I had one, um, a few weeks ago, but I was, um, it was one of those rare kind of special nights where I was intoxicated. Um, rare. Sorry. That's all right. Rare. I don't remember. I, I, I remember liking it, but I can't tell you, uh, exactly what was going on so i am looking forward to uh trying this one in my professional cigar expert reviewer mindset uh or uh yaks did you get kind of the same thing some some chocolate on the draw and just uh uh man it's a beautiful i i don't know what you're talking about that type mine's really dark i mean it's it's pretty damn dark yeah but to me it it is dark but to me it's got way more brown notes like there's cigars like there's oh, yeah. Maduro cigars that are like so dark brown that you know they start introducing a bit of blackness into it, yeah. almost that Oscuro type. But now this is a real dark brown, but you can you can see the red in it. And, I mean, you can see the orange, you can see the rust, and that's what I like about it. Well, there you go. That makes sense. But yeah, it's but it is a toothy bastard. You could uh, you could uh, sand something with this thing. I I yeah. man, I I really want to light this up. So I'm going to well. Uh, Yag Boy tells us a little bit about what we're drinking tonight. And you know what? I'm feeling cocky as hell. I think I'm going to have the best pairing of the night. Start with me, Yaks. Tell the good folks what I'm drinking to go with our big gun powerhouse of a cigar and the movie Guns. And the movie Guns. You're drinking a squirt. Squirt gun. Squirt gun. I'm sorry. The Squirt Gun Juicy IPA. It is from Real Ale Brewing, located in wonderful Blanco, Texas. There you go. Uh, Real Ale, of course, we've had uh, many of theirs. Uh, They do our our Hans Pills, correct? Hans Pills, that is correct. Started back in 1996. Uh, The Squirt Gun, like I just said, it is a Juicy IPA. It was originally kind of a variation off of one of their better IPAs, the Axis IPA they do. Found in uh, every major airport in the United States. Yeah, that's a, that's that's that and Goosehead are the the two <laughs> IPAs you can get in any airport in the continental mm-hmm. United States. Uh, it is actually an Austra- a, a variation to an Australian style IPA uh, using what? Uh, the Southern Hemisphere hops. I did not know Primary. this. This is yeah. a new thing for me. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, it, Number-wise, it, it comes in at 6%, so just right on that low end. But um, this is, is more towards, I guess this, I'm not, as like you, know, you just said, I'm not very familiar with the Australian style either. It's more like a New England style. It's only about 40 IBUs. So, yeah, it's, definitely- um, it is not a, 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 you know, I always feel weird saying it's not a, a bitter heavy IPA, because to me that's what I'm that's looking what an for. IPA right. should be, yeah. But my God, it smells like orange juice. Well, which which is good because I think I could probably drink this at breakfast and nobody would know. It kind of looks that way, yeah. Um, okay. And it's just, it's just very citrus uh, citrus heavy, but not not the usual. It's it doesn't have. Um, well, it smells like oranges, like the, the flavor profile is kind of more of a, like a papaya, like a, a darker, richer kind of, I was going to say, uh, it, if I were guessing that it would, it, it wouldn't be total citrus, it'd be more of those 
the tropical fruit type stuff. Yeah, uh, it's well, it smells like oranges. I'm not getting orange actually on it. I'm getting I'm getting some papaya. Um, it's really thick. It it pours really thick too. I don't know if you can see that. I mean, it's just it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a dense. So is it more? Is it kind of like going into the hazy style? Yeah, but not. But it's um, but actually it it does the the what'd you say forty IBUs? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give it forty, maybe a little bit more. I mean, I, I'm definitely getting the hops, but they're playing really nice with the pie. It's not overly sweet, um, and unlike the hazies, boy, there's just something. Maybe it's that it's an Australian hop, yeah. Yeah, the Southern Hemisphere. Maybe it's just that unique strain of hop that's working for me. I mean, it's just got a okay. really cool. It's got a really cool taste for it. it I don't think anything's going to get in the way of this cigar, but uh, this this beer this beer certainly won't. Um, yeah, you guys you guys would like this one. It's good. What is Mister Bolo Tie and uh, Conway Twitty Blazer wearing? Uh, what's he drinking? He is drinking a Tecate. Or wait, is it, is it Dose? I'm drinking both of them actually. Hey, look at this guy. <laughs> I had the pre-show to Doseki. I had the intro Doseki. Now I'm switching to the Tecate. So. All right. Uh, both Tecate and Doseki oh. are produced uh, in uh, – I'm going to not be able to pronounce this properly. Cerveceria. <laughs> I'm sorry. I usually don't laugh at you, Yaks. So. I know it's. I, I it's got so many little things over it. I'm like, I don't. I, I have no way to. I, I could spell it for you. It would be. It would probably be easier. You sound uh, like that, you sound like an alien that was like trying to communicate with us. Like, mark, mark, mark. <laughs> uh, it is located. Uh, they are located in a uh, Monterey, Nuevo León. Mexico, uh, and they uh, were founded all the way back in the wonderful year of 1890. 1890. Of course, it was founded, the, the brewery was founded by uh, Wilhelm Hess. Yes, that is a German name. Yep, they got the Germans in there. They were like, hey, we wanted to get some beer down here. Let's get the Germans. The, the majority, and most people, I mean, the majority of the older Mexican breweries were all founded by German immigrants into Mexico. So, stay thirsty, uh, my friend. And, uh, and they themselves, they originally start uh, their first beer off that that they began producing was the uh, Carta Blanca. The Carta Blanca. The Carta Blanca. Um, now, uh, of course, they have since gone on, and they are now owned by Heineken. So they are a part of the the international global beer. Well, German, so Germans started them and then Germans ended them. Full circle. Oh. Heineken isn't German. Yeah. Denmark. Denmark. Same thing. I don't think they'll be happy about that one. Um, Tecate, oh, number-wise, it's a, it's a four... Well, they're basically pretty much the same. <clears throat> the four and a half percent, both. Oh yeah, yeah. Their IBUs, of course, they are both loggers, and the IBUs are almost non-existent. It's about ten to fifteen. 
So, yeah, they are usually, you know, everyone says have a lime with it. But I, you know, if it's fresh, it's not necessary. It is necessary. I'm not it drinking. I'm not drinking that stuff without limes. Nope. Uh, t- why don't you tell us why you selected Tecate and Dos Equis tonight? Uh, <sighs> as you well, look and as, the, the- as the, the wonderful trademark from the brewery is for Dos is that beer uh, with such good taste, it's chosen you to drink it. That's right, my friend. Did it choose did it you, Tut? These beers chose me. <laughs> I did not choose them. I don't think he's allowed to do that. Mm. Ah, I chose it for two reasons. It was in my fridge. (laughs) I chose this for three reasons. (laughs) (laughs) It actually was in my fridge, both of these. Mm. Uh, I do like some Mexican lagers on, on occasion, but the main reason, number one, is an actor by the name of Eric Estrada. You might know him from Cheeps. Cheeps. He's not, a, not, not salsa and chips. The, the uh, television show. The television show. Cheeps. Those beers go really good with salsa and chips. Yeah, they do. They do. Which, they by really the way, tonight I had a big-ass burrito to fill up because, you know, it's a show night, so you need to carve up to to soak up so yeah. i got a big old burrito we're we're you basically like michael phelps we have to consume <laughs> seven thousand calories at dinner to get through this shit and then the uh other reason is an actor by the name of danny trejo uh, so we have two latin actors and i'm like i got me some latin beer latin it on up okay nothing wrong with that uh, Yak Boy, what's your favorite Mexican beer? Oh, I'm probably gonna go the Modelo. I was about to say uh, the Modelo, the Especial, or the Negro. The Negro, yeah, Negro Modelo. I agree, it's a good one. It's a, it, a toss up for me between uh, Negro Modelo and actually, oh man, Bohemia is actually pretty good. Uh, I've been on a Pacifico kick here lately. I was going to say, uh, uh, we, we talked last week about Fat Tire sponsoring when I was an uh, underground filmmaker. They gave us a bunch of beer to put into my movie. All, so did uh, Pacifico. Mm-hmm. And I drank a piss load of Pacifico for like an entire summer. So I, I have a soft spot for Pacifico. It's good beer. I, I like it, especially like when it's in the, when you're at the Mexican restaurant. Oh, when it's ice cold. Oh, oh, yeah. And, uh, Oh man, Coronas I like when they. Uh, I don't know. Do they do this in other states or just Texas, where they give you a margarita about the size of a, a fat kid's head, and they put like three upside down bottles of Corona beer in it? Is that a thing that anybody other state does? Stupid shit like that? Or I'm sure there are others. Because I mean, if if they don't do that anywhere else, I'm going to be like, look. You like to say, you know what? They do special things where I'm from, but I don't want to be known for that. Well, I want to say, I, I, I want to I say, think I that's asked, like all throughout the South, at least the Gulf Coast states. So you're going to be Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and you know Florida's doing it. I believe I asked for that somewhere while traveling, and I got looked at. Do you have like a goblet the size of a fat kid's head? You could fill with cheap, shitty margarita mix, and then just put some upside down beers in it. 
that might have been the location more so than the actual. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, sir. This is a Kentucky Waffle House. Uh, we do our own brand of strange shit here. <laughs> okay. I'll just get the hot dog omelet. <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> uh, Don't bring your customs to us. You take our customs. <laughs> damn it. Next thing you know, I'm drinking a margarita with hot dogs stuck in it. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, Welcome was, to the Kentucky Barn Smoker. That was Florida. That was Florida. Oh, dang it. The Florida was the hot dog margarita. Um, that only leaves you, Yak Boy. What could you, Me? What could you possibly pair with a powerhouse cigar, the Tricky Traka, and the movie Guns starring Eric Estrada and, as Tut said, Danny Trejo? Perhaps something dark to go with a dark cigar. Mm-hmm. That is a Negro-looking beer out there, my friend. This, I have last last few shows, I, I've, I've been sticking with the dark beers. It's like, yeah. even though it's not cold outside here where we live, I damn well want it to be. Because when the cold weather starts, I start to go with the stouts and the porters. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that if I keep drinking them, then the weather will change and all will be good. Uh-huh. It's not working out so far. No. We're in, we're in shorts. And Tut's got shorts on under that blazer, I guarantee it. <laughs> I went because of the initial location of our film this evening. I said, hey, they're going to be filming on Molokai. Yeah. The closest I could get to it would be Maui. Yeah. Maui Brewing Company. A big portion of tonight's film takes place in Hawaii. What is it? The coconuts? This is the coconut. Haiwa. Uh, the Haiwa, uh, Hawaiian, it means precious or favorite. Okay. So it is a coconut porter, or it is a, a porter. It does have a little, does it really, it's, it's not like it tastes like coconut at all. I'm, at first, okay. you know, I was like, you know what? I think I had one of these many yeah, moons scared me ago. A little bit. And I was like, I couldn't remember. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with it because of the movie. I'll, I'll try it out. And luckily, it's not like, you know, it's just steeped in coconut. It is yeah. not. What was the coconut we did? Death by Coconut? Yes. Death by Coconut. Yeah. Oscar? Oscar Blues? <clears throat> yeah. The uh, uh, the Maui Brewing Company, they are located on the island of Maui in uh, Kahil, Hawaii. Uh, it started back in uh, 2005. They are now the largest uh, brewery in Hawaii. Uh, they're one of the number one beers in the islands. Uh, okay. This one, of course, is well known. It does have, you know, hints of coconut, but it's well known. This is also very, very strong with uh, a mocha flavor, which I am liking that. So given the description of our cigar and what we've already kind of picked up on it, I'm hoping this is going to knock each other out. You might, uh, you might have a, an outsider, uh, man, that's a, that was a risky pick, uh, but you might, I'll keep an eye on you tonight. Well, and, and number wise, it's a, it's a 6% and it's only 30 IBUs as a hint of hops, but. Well, when you got a cigar that reeks of, uh, you know, like rich, you know, chocolate and, and cherry and, and those, those, those kind of, flavors and then you introduce coconut i I don't see how that could be a bad thing 
Um, but what do I know? I'm only one of the world's most form- renowned cigar experts. According to a website. They no longer exist. Yeah, that they actually got pulled down pretty quick after they said that about me. I don't <laughs> correlation there. Fake news. Uh Tut, you just fired your baby up. I, I'll go first, uh, because I lit up during the beer talk. Um I immediately appreciate this cigar because instead of the usual kind of introduction of pepper or spice through the nose. Well, there was just that very initial spice upon, um, you know, torching the cigar. It transitioned into just a really refined leather note coming out uh, the nose on the retro hail. And I'm not used to getting that heavy of a, of a leather through the nose as opposed to the draw. And then on the draw, I'm getting that, like I said, that kind of rich brownie chocolate and earth. And they're going really great with that leather. But the, for me, that initial pepper on the nose was gone after about, you know, not even a half an inch, uh, which you just lit up, Todd. So you, I, I'm, like I said, I'm a little bit ahead of you. What are your first thoughts? Uh, to be honest, that lack of pepper, the lack of blast on the light up threw me for a complete loop. Uh, yeah. It did me too. I was, I, was, I was for sure that it would, yeah. and it's it's kind of like when you're when you see a fight and you know that this fighter is trained for the other fighter, you know, just religiously. It's kind of like Rocky, and all of a sudden Rocky comes out southpaw, and Apollo's like, "What the hell just happened here?" I'm kind of at a loss for words. I was just I was so like ready for that pepper and 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 just totally dodged away i was just kind of like whoa well that's you Uh, that's you bringing your preconceived yeah absolutely absolutely but i mean that's part of the experience uh oh of course it's very personal um but yeah uh, for me man it's just a really really nice strong pronounced leather on the nose which is a kind of a unique retrohale but that see i'm getting i i've got a little bit like all right. First of all, the the retro hell on this is very approachable. There's nothing harsh about it, which I love. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> I am getting a bit of your leather, and, but I'm also getting something else, and I'm not exactly sure what to put my finger on. That leather is like a top flavor, but there's there's something else that's just kind of sitting there. Cashews. I'm having a hard time trying to trying to explain. It's not as sweet as cashews. Uh, Almonds. I mean, it could be a nut. It actually walnut. could be. It's walnuts. It actually could be, but it's nice. I mean, it is just. I only, I only say that because I, I did get a, a that that nuttiness when smelling the foot of the cigar before lighting up. Uh, there is something there underneath the leather. I'm I'm too early to kind of dig in that far, but uh, for me, the the draw is is a dark chocolate and a and a and an earth. But immediately, I'm getting, I'm, and I don't say this, fact check me, folks, 126 episodes. I don't mention nicotine in a cigar very much. Um, I don't, I, I don't, you, you occasionally will point something out, Tut, like a nicotine kick. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I am getting a nicotine kick off of, off of this, which uh, I want to say I do remember from the, the firecrackers that I had. Um, there is something in the cigar that, that's, 
got some balls to it. Um, and I want to, I'm going to predict that around the halfway point, this fucker is going to be a different cigar than what we get here in the beginning. Strength wise. Well, I, I, I'm curious to see what that is because I'm not even a half an inch in and this thing is beautiful cigar. It's I, I, I'm really kind of enjoying this. Uh, you said seven by 64 is another Vitola of this. Yeah. Four hour smoke okay. apparently. So you could probably knock it out an hour and a half. <laughs> All right. Uh, all this sound uh, copacetic to you, Yak Boy? It does. Y'all weren't joking when y'all said there's not a not a hint of that. Like you just said, you're expecting to light up and just be blasted in the face with the spice, considering that description, and it's it's mellow. But I yeah. mean, it, it's incredibly I mean, it's, flavorful. I, I wouldn't say mellow. To me, it's a strong leather, but it's a it, like yeah. Tut said, approachable. It's not. It's not a. Uh, there's there's no harshness to it. I mean, it's, it's smooth. Right. But it's bold. Um, yes. No, and that that you know, I'm that chocolate, that leather. I'm really liking it. Just, and I, I get, I get, the, you know, like what you just said. I'm really getting the feeling like he probably just put it. It's like just put it about an inch from the front. Then that's when you start with it. Yeah. Uh, construction is great. If anything, it's smoking too fast. Look at that. I mean, I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to to kind of watch that. I. I I'm. I know everyone says smoke slower to get the blenders intense, so I'm going to try my best. But uh, smoke production, like all of Steve's stuff, is – I mean, this thing's pouring really beautiful smoke out of both ends. Um, all right. Well, hey, speaking of Steve Saka, do you boys remember who he used to work for before founding his own company, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust? That would be the Rue Estate. Correct, Tut. He was the president of Drew Estate for quite a while. And Drew Estate are the wizards behind the curtain of one of the most unique cigars currently on the market. The Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Now you got me talking that damn accent. Uh, Deep barrel barrel fermentation. I'll go the opposite. I'll go my Trace Atkins. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torque kits, which to men like me are called bundles. (laughs) And they're then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water's then added. Well, mince pressure's applied to the torque kits. Via railroad jacks, just like my granddaddy used. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pappy Van Winkles Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick-and-mortar Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. God bless America. Oh. Jeez, between Barbeau and Atkins, I'm going to pass out before the other night. These things take a little bit out of you. Um, um, I just received a text message. Uh, Joe Gray would like to see you in the morning. He can see me any morning he wants to. Uh, oh, am I, am I not allowed to do the commercial spots in the Trace Atkins voice anymore? 
He didn't say that. He just said that you should contact him at your early convenience. Damn it. That's, that can't be good. I was going to do something in there where he's talking about 12 to 18 months fermentation. Did you know that a baby's heartbeat starts at 18 days? No, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> Please. Your Please. vote, your vote matters. Please. But I didn't do that. You just did it right then. You can't, you can't do it and then say you didn't. Yeah, but the commercial's over. So, so Joe can't, Joe can't yell at me for that. That's how that works. I said with all due respect. I did say with all due respect. Um, again, we are a micro penis of a podcast. Nobody's paying attention to what we're doing out here. Uh, there's a third uh, portion of our show, which is just as important as the cigar and the beer boys. We talk about a movie. Yeah. And very, very uncharacteristic uncharacter- of him. It's probably about a year ago, Tut, or at the, at yes. the, or maybe earlier this year. Tut sends me two trailers and is like, these might be good shows for the, these might be good movies to talk about. I'm like, he never does that. <laughs> and like, okay. I was like, so I, I put them in a, you know, I, I, I put them to the side there with, with some other things. And, um, but I was like, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get to one of these at some point, uh, you know, uh, I mean, Tut showed some kind of interest and enthusiasm in the podcast. I should probably embr- you need embrace- to reward that every now and then. Reward yeah. that somehow. Um, <laughs> One of it's them called was, a carrot. Uh, well, is it working? Are you, get, you getting getting excited? <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. I'm going to be uh, watching both of you to make sure that you're showing the proper excitement to my choice tonight. Oh yeah, it's a lot better than we only let you pick one other movie in the whole history of the show, and uh, it was maximum, a great maximum. pick. It was Maximum Overdrive. It was maximum a great overdrive. pick. I think we might have had some fun with it, but I think we we were like, it's like the worst Stephen King movie ever. And that, but it was an awesome pick. It tracked. Um, no, you picked uh, the one that I picked from your picks was 1990s Guns. Guns. That's it. That's the name of the movie. Guns. Guns. Like, like slugs. Guns. And probably when I talk about the movie a lot tonight, when I ask you like, what does this mean? Guns. I am a guns. It's no fun. Guns. Oh, God. It's I wish no we could have got fun. her on the show tonight. Just sing that song in a little square on the Zoom. Just just uh, dance that song. Dancing. Of course, what, she'd be like 50, mid-50s now. She probably, probably still looks... Well, those things would be in their mid, <laughs> mid-30s. mid I was about to say the half-life on those things is impressive. Yeah, they'd be okay. Uh, hey, to help set the mood tonight, did you guys notice I'm wearing a T-shirt? I saw that featuring the most iconic gun in movie history, the PKD blaster from Blade Runner. Do you guys agree? What's your favorite movie gun of all time? Hans Blaster, probably. Man, Hans Blaster is pretty dang good. Uh, the Dirty Harry, uh, Smith and Wesson. That is pretty iconic. Um, man. 
why did you put me on the spot like this? Uh, there's so many to choose from. The minigun from Predator is probably one of the most instant recognizable. You don't uh, even you don't even have to see Jesse the body. You just see that gun and you think yeah. Predator. Uh, yeah. Man, mine, my, my oh man, those the machine through PK is the Bond gun. Come on, yeah, uh, yeah. What were those guns they used in Aliens? Those big space oh. machine guns. Oh, those uh, were, those were those were kind of cool. Well, the the smaller one was just was the rifle, and that was actually the, the really the of course the iconic thing from Aliens too was the fact that you had it had a counter on it. Everybody was just enamored that you didn't have to worry. You could just walk, see how much you know how many bullets you still had left. Yeah, that was like cool. Then you know that that was a trope that got put into every video game after that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. All of a sudden, you're playing video games. You have a bullet count. That's where that's where that started, huh? Well, uh, like you know, the uh, I mean, that probably the the marine rifle from Aliens Two is probably one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, and this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion, but I have to go Chewie's crossbow. The I want to say it's a lifetime achievement, but that's putting my old man spin on it. It's not a lifetime achievement, but the gun that is, it's just in terms of movies and entertainment and TV that just kind of stands out for me, the 80s Uzi. It's just such a no, that's not distinct, crazy at all. distinct I weapon. Just talking about it a minute ago, I flashed to Arnold with the Uzi um, in turn, the first Terminator. And then how many movies have we featured on this? podcast 50 where the dudes were using uzis i think miami connection they well, had I mean, we're, we're going off of like a very specific like this one this movie i mean it, it features a a single iconic gun or are we talking about something that actually from the real world yeah i mean what i like both there's there's okay. no rule there's no rules yet i mean i also like yeah. those uh, remember in arnold's uh eraser those rail guns that you could like the rail guns. dial into people's body temperatures and just i think those oh, are, they're well if you're doing if you're doing not. that then no if you're doing that then my favorite of all guns is the running man net gun <laughs> oh you just fucked everything up <laughs> yeah you know what it's awesome ladies it's your lucky night. I'm taking off the stupid shirt. The net, the net gun is the best gun. Until I get a net gun T-shirt, I will go topless. Yeah, dude, the net gun. That is the best gun. Net gun's the best gun. I thought you were going to build us one of those, Yags. I don't remember that conversation. Which I think, ironically, we were going to use it on Steve Saka at Cats Fest. <laughs> oh, wait that that was for the uh that was because we were going to do the running man short yeah uh yeah good call good call all in favor of the net gun being the best gun ever it's pretty awesome yeah i, yeah. I, I can go with that yeah stupid blade runner gun <laughs> blade runner gun oh, so good that's the beauty that's the beauty of all the movies man there's some there's some beautiful iconic weapons uh, there really was. Um, none of them, by the way, are featured in tonight's film, Guns. 
<laughs> Strange, huh? Uh, I think he got well, he that, that that dirty Harry that that, that yeah was that that Smith and Wesson bad boy in there. It, it is. It would have been nice if they if the guy with it knew how to shoot it. Supposed uh, to just trip over the most obvious thing in his path and lose it. Anyway, uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, let me introduce. This how was he supposed to hang on to it? It was just it was so huge and bulky. His hands couldn't wrap around the handle. It reminds me of another name for the podcast that I, I actually scratched that one out. It, it wasn't. Uh, even my radar picked up. That was a bad call. Um, guns. 1990s Guns. Written and directed by the late legendary cult filmmaker Andy Sedaris. And produced, as were all of his other films, by his wife Arlene Sedaris. With directing credits featuring movie titles such as Savage Beach, Hard Ticket to Hawaii and Malibu Hard Express. Ticket Hawaii. Malibu Hard. Express. Okay. All right. It's mind-boggling to me how we haven't featured any of his bikini action film mashups before now. But we shall make up for that drunken oversight tonight, boys. I no, totally not- before I'll, I'll go ahead in a minute when I was when I was looking I was watching this movie, I was like, man, I have seen this before. I've seen these chicks, I've seen this whole Stick, but I haven't seen this because I haven't seen these people. Yeah, all, Malibu Express. All of all of the movies are the same cast, same kind of plot, um, just uh, kind of a, a different face dropped in. Tonight's face is, as we mentioned, Eric Estrada. He's he's not in Malibu Express, but um, Sedaris, his films are uh, routinely referred to as triple B movies as opposed to B movies. Because they have bullets, bombs, and babes. There you um, go. But get this. Andy Sedaris' best-known work prior to his Triple B movies was with ABC's Wide World of Sports, where he was the show's very first director and continued in that post for 25 years. He was the director of ABC's wow. Wide World of Sports for 25 years. He also pioneered... What came to be known as the honey shot, which is close-ups of cheerleaders and female fans in the stands, really close up. Whenever you see a sports where they cut away to a pretty girl in the stands, that's Andy Sedaris, which makes sense. And get this. He won an Emmy Award in 1969 for directing ABC (laughs) Sports coverage of the 1968 Summer Olympics. Isn't it... this guy's like had a legitimate, really lengthy quarter of a century yeah, yeah. Uh, sports career. That's crazy, right? And then retired to do boobs, babes, and bullets. And told his wife, I want you to do it with me, baby. I want you to fund it. <laughs> That's love. That's love. That is love. As far as she must have really loved him. Uh I'm sure he loved her too. <laughs> Did you not? A wife that's like, hey, I need four naked chicks up on that stage for the shoot tomorrow. All right, babe, I'll get it for you. But yeah. You mentioned Sonny and Cher earlier, Todd. That's why they split up. That's right. That's right. Before I get into the meat and potatoes of tonight's film, uh, Todd, you got a beautiful little ash on that thing. Still. Yeah. Earth and chocolate on the draw, that nice leather on the... Again, that nicotine that I mentioned yet? 
I mean, maybe I am, but I don't. Uh, to me, I don't really sense it that much. It came and went. Um, yeah. And this is going to sound like a total goofball thing to say. And this is why we're micro penises in the cigar media world. Because I guarantee you, nobody else is around. I'm, I'm about right. I'm about an inch or two ahead of you. Yeah. I just got a blast of marshmallow. Marshmallow? Like marshmallow, like that fluff, that jarred marshmallow fluff stuff like you put on ice cream. Oh my God, it was delicious. Dude, marshmallow with, you know, the, the nuttiness and the chocolate. Holy shit. Um, let me know if you get anything even close to that. I'm not sure if it's going to stick around, but it just hit me, so I had to comment on it. Uh, I do have some of that dark cherry that's kind of dancing around on the draw. I'll say the same thing, though, that I... This is supposed to be an amped-up version of the Mi Corita. And what I said with the Mi Corita was I, I, I expected it to be stronger, and I kind of wanted it to be a little stronger. And when we did the firecracker, I want to say that we kind of got the the intent there that it was a little bit um bolder than the than the original me me but to me this is a very full-bodied cigar but so far strength wise you know i'm in medium territory it's not kicking my ass at all same with you guys i can agree with that that's that's why i said it It just seems so mellow and, and i was hoping Getting close to the halfway mark, that maybe it's gonna it's gonna ramp up. I mean, you know, it doesn't get more arrow. He mentioned just, it's it doesn't get more mellow than marshmallow cream. Well, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a little because the, bit of creaminess that I wouldn't, all of I wouldn't those, label that as marshmallow, but but all those flavors are full and present. I mean, you're not having to hunt around for a lot of. Oh stuff no, it's full body. It's it's full bodied lovers. But no, uh, strength strength wise, uh, yeah, I'm at, I'm at a medium right now, uh, except for those nicotine spikes, which kind of take it medium full. But I'll come back to you, boys. Um, let's talk about this film, shall we? So, what's this film about that Tud has chosen for us tonight? Guns. There's some guns, but that's not the heart and soul of this puppy. Let me give you a little summary. Juan Dega. It's Degas, but he the S Dega. is silent. the S is silent. It's Dega, played by Eric Estrada, is the Jack of Diamonds, a nefarious armsmonger who intends to smuggle a big quantity of a new state-of-the-art weapon into America through Hawaii. Why are you laughing? Uh, where was where was the gun? Where was the gun made 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 in? Uh, that was made in China. And you could tell because of the they paint, sticker, the red they, star sticker that was sitting. They they paint they paint the Chinese uh, star from their. Uh, I mean, they don't paint it. That was like that was like a cut out piece of paper taped to the side of the gun. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, that's great. We'll get to that gun. Um, and uh, Dega intends to smuggle a big quantity of these state of the art weapons into America. But he's got to go through Hawaii because the planes need to refuel there on their way to China. In makes order sense. to do makes sense. In order to do so, Dega desperately needs to come up with a clever scheme to get the island-based lethal agents out of his way, who threaten the success of his plans. 
So with the intention to liquidate both lethal agents, Donna and Nicole, Dega's assassins manage to engage them in a dangerous, fast-paced chase that will eventually lead them to Las Vegas, thousands of miles away. However, when Dega's men abduct Donna's mother, it will be his biggest mistake because from that point on, things are about to get very personal. Hungry for revenge, Donna, armed with a devastating rocket launcher, will have to go through stealthy ninja assassins. I'm going to question the stealthy part on that. And radio-controlled boats loaded with explosives to protect her family. And it all concludes in a very explosive finale. Will the lethal ladies claim victory? Will Dega complete his mission and wipe them out and sell arms to international terrorists here in America. We're going to find out. Does that about sum it up? It Pretty does. Much, yes. Okay. Man, introduce another B to this mix. Beer. Beer. I think you say bullshit. <laughs> wow. Introduce another B to this movie. Andy Sedaris was known for his triple quadruple six Wing. six or seven bees movies quintuple <laughs> six tuplet uh, there's a lot of bouncing things in these things too that's a b word well unlike our last film land of the free which is a fun show you should go listen to it folks uh which featured the worst opening credit sequence that we've ever seen i like the simplicity of guns opening which was just the word guns on the screen and a bullet going through it you know what you're getting i liked it it might be like a little bit of an a-team thing guns and then it like shoots right across it no just one bullet the rest of the credits play out as we watch a bikini clad chick sing a song about guns guns are no fun i said guns are no fun yeah. Again, he can't sing the fucking Scooby-Doo song for me, but he he, he watched this movie and he, he got that song right. While she performs on a stage at a Las Vegas nightclub, I loved... This movie started off on the right foot for me. I loved how there were dudes in the audience watching this chick in a bikini with these giant knockers singing this horrible song with their wives. Like, this, this was their date their night. Like, classy it's classy and and the wives they're, they're also like like the, they're enjoying this like it's classy. hey baby i've uh got the perfect romantic spot picks for our anniversary dinner tonight you like big tits right i'd never take it to the theater here we are you said you wanted to see a live show and I'm trying to introduce you to some culture here. Blue Man Group was sold out. Here she is. Why, you want to go see the guys with the tigers over there? Yeah, they were still around at this point. <laughs> this is option like four. Uh, Circuit de Sol. There's no way I'm, you know, no. Um, who's the guy with the puppets? Like. I that still seems a little actually back in 90 19 was it 90 I was gonna say was it was Dunham around in the in the 90s? No, this had been 1990. Oh, like, you're talking about it. This would have been uh let's see uh 
Howie, oh. Howie, Howie Mandel. Howie, Howie Mandel would probably been in residence. Uh, uh, I bet Don Rickles would probably have still been in residence in the in the nineties. I'm definitely seeing that thing. Uh, Again, though, that's not something your 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 wife. That, that's a, that's a, what we want to see. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you can go see that David Copperfield guy. Oh, he was gonna make something disappear. Yeah. He was definitely around. Yeah, there you go. But no, she's up there singing this horrible song, and, and yes. these couples are, are just looking it up. So as I mentioned in the movie synopsis, master criminal uh, Dega, Eric Estrada, and his right-hand man, Tong, played by Tut. Tong. Danny Trejo. And what does he wear a lot in this movie, Tut? Style and class is what he wears. He wears a bolo tie, only he wears like, a, these these leisure suits made out of aluminum foil. Like yeah, I could. Shoulder. I don't. Have, I don't have it. <laughs> I was like, that was my intent. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna slick my hair. I'm gonna get the bolo tie on. I'm gonna wear the suit. And then when I when I wore it, I was like, man, you don't look like a lobster. You look like some third rate fat divorce attorney. Yeah. Like, uh, all right. It, it still works. It still works. <laughs> well. uh Dega and and his henchman Tong hire these two total numbnuts to take out his government agent adversaries in Honolulu. These screwballs have this elaborate assassination plot cooked up, but Tong hands him two guns instead. A Smith and Wesson always beats four aces, Dega says coldly. It was so weird in me in this film watching Ponch as a bad guy, watching Eric Estrada as a bad guy. It was. Did you? I mean, I I couldn't make that. I couldn't make. I couldn't get over the hump. I couldn't. I totally. I totally could. It's something that I think that he could easily have done. Uh, this so... movie. This movie was a little bit. It just wasn't right for him, because he could have done so much more. I'm <laughs> I think, sorry. I think, I think Eric Estrada should have been Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction. I think he would have been great in that. I. No, I, I'm being facetious, obviously. No, I think this was the perfect chance on a low-budget film where he could have, like, I'll show them there's a different side to Estrada. And this isn't a slam on him. He was just so goddamn likable as Ponch and Chips for so many years, and that's what we saw him at. He was so likable as the gay microbrewery owner in King Cobra, a film we did on the podcast. When he smiles, it's just this... You can't help but like the guy. Well, and I think that's kind of the thing is like, you know, he should have been doing that instead because the, the guy that's smiling when menacing things are happening is twice as menacing. Because <laughs> he's enjoying the menace. Instead, he's trying to look so serious. I, I just I just couldn't at any point believe him uh, in this role. He's got some cool lines, though, when he's talking to the assassins and they want to do all those fancy ways to kill people. He's like, hey, just take the cerebral approach. And they're like, what's that? What's Shoot that? him in the head. Shoot him in the head. That was actually good. I like that. A good line. It's a really good line. But, when, but then after he says that, he flashes that Poncherello smile. And I'm like, oh, man. That's what I'm saying. I was like, he should have just been doing that. I can't buy it. What's what's so really bad is that you've got him doing that, and then right next to him, shoulder to shoulder, is one of the most menacing looking guys on the face of the planet. Well, here's the thing. This was 1990. Trejo, uh, or 98. I'm sorry. 98? No, 90. No, 90. 90. 90. 
Trejo at this point, this is early in his film career, even before like Heat. This is when he was just kind of getting these small roles where the filmmakers, they didn't give him anything else to do but look like a tough guy, which granted, he does better than any other actor on the planet. And he just has to stand there and he looks tough as, you know, tough as shit. Um, Wearing a bolo tie looking tough as shit. That's hard. (laughs) It's not easy, folks. Um, let me ask you this going to, to this because the whole opening is about this assassination attempt to get these ladies, these lethal agents killed so he can freely smuggle his guns smuggle through his Hawaii. Guns. If you're going to hire some professional killers, pay them all this money to travel from Vegas to Hawaii in order to kill their targets, would you fly with them and not only that, walk around with them and point out to the targets? The Jack of Diamonds does not believe in alibis. The Jack of the Diamonds he should not, be like nowhere not, near Apparently there. he doesn't believe in just having a photo to give to the killers and a location. No, he walks like, around with them. He actually is like, yeah, they're right there. And then like, why'd you hire them? You could have done it. Well, I mean, I was waiting for them to be, you see the women in that shop or whatever, and then they pan the camera over. He's in the corner behind a t-shirt pointing at him. Urgh. My guess is Estrada had a thing in his contract where they had to fly him to Hawaii. And it's like, well, we had to bring him here. We might as well put him might in. Might as well put him in there. But it yeah. makes no sense. Why are you going to hire assassins and go well, with him? Well, I mean, it was again incredible because he's there meeting the guy about the guns. So he's having that meeting. So why and couldn't they true. have been on some out there while he's shooting the gun and say, now go kill this person? See, when I pick a movie, it makes no sense. You guys are like slugs. Slugs. Well, why did this? Slugs. Can't we just guns? Yes, yes, we can. I I noticed Estrada's character kind of had a it didn't guns. 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 Can we just change it where we just go Estrada? Guns. Estrada. Punch. Will the idiot trigger man dressed in drag show up at a restaurant to kill? Uh, one of the lethal agents, and they accidentally kill the wrong ladies. One's a poor chick vacationing on her honeymoon, eating dinner with her husband. They kill that poor bastard, too. And then they also kill a lethal agent who's deep undercover as the restaurant's hostess. Oh, and pastry chef. And pastry chef. At one point earlier, she was complaining to her, her fellow lethal agent. She's like, my God, like, I'm a spy eight hours a day. Then they got me making pastries. And then I've got like a party of 20 coming in for a wedding. It's like, what kind of spy agency is this? Good one. Guns. Guns. Apparently they're spies and they have day jobs. Nope. They're deep. Most spies do have day jobs. That's how you make a good spy. Yeah. They're called sleeper agents. But why would they need to be sleeper agents? I'm just saying she's a pastry chef, a hostess. She's like completely wiped out. If, even if like an international incident broke out, she's so tired from her <laughs> day job. She, she can't do anything. But for once, you can't blame me for shit tonight. This is all on tight. Guns. Guns. Well, the real heroes, blonde agent Donna and brunette lethal agent Nicole, who both dress in skimpy khaki shorts with sleeveless khaki shirts, 
the and trademark white, of the lethal agents, by the and, way. And uh, white cowboy boots paired with leather utility belts. It's it's the uniform. Well, first off, they show up on the scene. They're super pissed off about their friend being killed. And second, they're both something other than what I picture in my head when I picture any kind of secret agent. But after some deep, deep contemplation, I think I want all secret agents to dress like these chicks. It worked for me. I like the cowboy boots. Did you guys notice on their, like Schneider from uh, One Day at a Time, like they had all these keys and like, Swiss Army knives hanging from their their utility belts. It was, it was completely it was completely inconducive to like action because first of all you can't run around and they, they do though in these cowboy boots. You can't sneak up anybody with all those keys. Those keys. Well, I mean, it, it gives to the point like you know, and they have like pilot rings. If, rings if, on if their they were to, if, if they were to walk through the door, would you be like secret agents? No, you wouldn't be. You were like. Really? Cowboy boots? Jangly keys? I'm sorry. The same agency that puts people undercover as a nightclub singer in a bikini and a pastry chef hostess has these other agents walking around in white cowboy boots with tight little shorts and their knockers hanging out. That's the Hawaii uniform. I liked it. I won't watch another secret agent movie unless they're dressed like this which luckily if you go back and watch the other Andy Sedaris movies they they wear this shit in every they single one yeah that's why I thought I've actually seen this before once it got going yeah um, well thanks to Dega using a Jack of Diamonds playing card from the Rio Casino uh, that's his calling card he gave the assassins this this playing card the Jack of Diamonds and they stick it in one of the dead girl's boobs for Donna they're, they're trying to lure this Donna chick. Let her know that they're coming for her. And that's what they do. We got to get to Vegas. Our busty heroes jump in a tiny plane and head to Sin City. Yeah. That's a good six-hour flight, Yaks. Could they make it from Waikiki? No, they're in a Cessna. It is impossible. This, is, this immediately reminded me of the Expendables. Uh, where they go flying in the albatross? That was a big all point. over the globe. Yeah, I'm like, um, you know, because at the time I was like, oh, that's a cool looking plane, blah blah blah. The top speed of the albatross is 150 miles an hour. <laughs> so take so if you wanted to fly that plane to some place, I don't know, like China, Serbia, they would be in the air longer than 24 hours. Plus, every time that somebody gives them trouble, Statham's dumping all that fuel on them and blowing them up with a flare gun. There was no, and they have these this giant interior cabin. It was like no, it would literally be a tiny walkway because the whole entire plane would be yeah. nothing but fuel. And you had and still this out. is they all up in this little Cessna to cross the Pacific from yeah. Hawaii. They would literally be in the air for you know a month. Yes. Because once again, it's a Cessna. It goes like maybe 152, you know, that's it. I just I just thought because the whole plot of this movie is these planes carrying guns from China have to stop in Hawaii to refuel. 
And that's why he's got to get rid of these girls so he can get all the way to the United States. Gas and planes is kind of a, a centric plot point of this thing. And then they get in that tiny little plane and they're like, all right, let's get to Vegas. Well, it also makes me wonder, it's like, well, you know, you apparently you seem to be like this well-connected, you know, arms dealer. Wouldn't it be cheaper just to buy a better plane that can actually make it without refueling? Guns. 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 And there's always, and, and then to top it off, like the pilot who should know everything, you got Stallone. Dump more fuel on him. <laughs> like, <laughs> how are we going to get home? Fuel. <laughs> Dump more fuel. In the, in the words of the doctor, I, I I think we're I think we're getting a little bit too far into the weeds here, and let's just call it guns. Right, it's, it's probably a good thing he's not here tonight. Guns, guns. Put more fuel on them. <laughs> Little more fuel, suckers. Uh, I am approaching the. I'm a little past the halfway point on the right there, wherever tricky, that's at. Tricky Traka. Um. Boy, it, it's nothing like the buildup that Adrian Barbeau gave us, uh, to me anyway. Um, man, it's just delicious. Uh, that, that leather, I, I will say, around the midway point, the spice, that initial spice on the nose came back a little bit. I, I started to get a little bit of uh, pepper on the nose. Um, but man, that leather, that that draw, the or I'm sorry, the retrohale is just super, super cool. And uh, it's playing really good with that chocolate and earthiness on the draw. I mean, it's a really tasty stick. Tut, am I crazy or are you on the same page, Gunny? I am on the same page. I'm a little disappointed, to be honest. Uh, Man, no, I got to couch that too. This is a very tasty cigar. It's a very delicious cigar. It's a very flavorful cigar. But I just I think that there's part of me that was wanting it to have a little bit more strength. That's wanting it to have a little you know bit what? more up in there to where like it it actually kind of just kind of lifts you up a little bit with its strength. And this it doesn't kind of do that. No, and it doesn't. Kind of. You know what it reminds me of? What the brimstone. How with that double Lajero from Southern Draw, we were we were kind of going into it expecting um, just a ballsy strength strengthy is that a word strengthy um, just a really strong Lajero bomb of a cigar that you know kicked us in the nuts Jeff Speakman style and it didn't we 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 liked it we liked the Brimstone. Yeah. But it wasn't that cigar that our it didn't live up to what we expected it to be, which we adjusted our expectations as yeah, we yeah. smoked it, which I think we're doing now. I'm still waiting from that Dunbarton cigar to um, punch me in the ball. It sounds like a weird thing to want. I'm still I'm still dying to get punched in the do. balls. I... And 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 this isn't this isn't it. The Micarita wasn't it, but I liked it. And this amped up version of the Micarita isn't it either. Uh, but that's okay because yeah. it's, it, like you said, it's delicious. I know, and it feels weird. It feels weird being disappointed by, you know, wanting to get kicked in the balls by a cigar. But, you know, it's there. It's true. But this is a delicious cigar. I know people are going to go crazy for this cigar, and rightfully so. It's very flavorful. I will say this uh, I actually, you guys were, were bigger fans of the Micarita than I am. And Ty, you smoked a ton of them. 
after that show. And I, it, I'll be honest, it's one I, for ranking that high on one of our best of lists, it's one that I very rarely out of all of Steve's stuff go back to. Um, I, I, I like this considerably more than the me career. I think I do too. I do too. It's, it, it's, it, it's got more train. It's got, you know, I, it's got more flavor. Just, I think the flavors are just more pronounced. Yeah. They, it's, it's got, just, it's got a better flavor profile. Yeah. Um, are you with us on this yet, boy? I can agree to that. Like y'all said, I mean, it's description, you know, I don't know, maybe if he was trying to sell it more to people who are just looking for the, the, the slap to the face strength, but I, I think that his his description is correct in, in the amount of flavors, and he should have been trying to sell it in that description with just the the, the complexity of that. I mean, well, everything I mean, that is there. I mean, but I'm like y'all. I'm like, I thought you know here I'm past you know I'm, I'm into that last third, and there's not this you know uptick power, yeah. but the flavors are still there on you know. Oh, they're amazing. Uh, here's, here's the thing, uh, and this is, man, I would never ask them to, I would never ask this to his face or anybody else to their face, but I'm just like, why all the fluff in your description? Why not say these are your flavors, this is what you're going to do, and you can put some sexiness on that flavor, but then just say it's these flavors with an uptick in strength. If you like the meat Corita but wish for a little bit more strength, this is going to give you a little bit more strength. It's not going to knock you in your balls. It's not going to be that powerhouse thing if you're looking for that. But if you're looking for a very flavorful cigar with pronounced flavors and a little bit stronger than that last offering, this is what it is. And that way you set the expectation right off the bat. It's the same thing with the brimstone. You know, the brimstone came in and I was like, I almost wanted to give him a little bit of uh, Robert, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, except no, he was saying this will knock you in the balls, drag you to the other side of the state and then kick you in the ball some more. And then I'm just like, why go through all that fluffery if it doesn't, if it doesn't deliver that fluffery, it may deliver it to some other palates. I'm not going to say that our, our expert uh you know cigar sommelier uh senses are are universal there might be someone who smokes this is just eyes watering just but but again that's not what steve said in his in his description uh i don't want to lump it too close to the brimstone i'll answer for steve because i i'm just going to say i can't speak for any other blender but i've never met anyone and we've had steve on the show several times i love talking to him I've never met anyone that loves talking about tobacco and their personal blending yeah. thought process that goes into the blend than Steve. And I think because he started out as a blogger like us, he started out writing about um, back in the early days, cigars. I think he has a, a very poetic way to, to write about tobacco and I think describing his cigars, oh, I think his, I think his, his describing his own um, modus operandi. In the operandi. business, it's called puffery. In the marketing business, 
Yes. For you listeners that don't know, Tut owns his own marketing agency. It, Huffery. And then, and then, Steve, I understand your rebuttal, and I agree with your rebuttal. And I know that you're probably not going to give me your rebuttal, but I'll go ahead and give me your give me your rebuttal. Hey, Tut, when you run a cigar business, then you can talk to me. I understand you're very successful, and I love your cigars. I just ease up on the puffery, man. I will say um, it is a different reviewing experience getting that chunk of, of narrative going into it. I've, I've been reviewing cigars for the last year plus for Blind Man's Puff website where I don't know anything about the cigar. I don't know who made it. I don't know what's in it. I don't know anything. I just, I just strictly base my review on the cigar itself. And when we come here every other week, I've got so much information given to me by manufacturers. You know, I know the name of the guy who, you know, whose dog yeah. patrols the grounds to guard the tobacco. I, I, know, I, I know, I know so much about the goddamn cigar. It's it maybe too much, but I will say this to, to your point about the Huffery Tut. I, I love reading Steve's stuff because I, I like just writing superfluously as I'm reviewing cigars. Just they bring back memories. They this note will just remind me of something. And it's if you if you have a, a writer's instinct, it's a it's a it's a sparking it's a it's a spark that a cigar can just kind of set you off on on tangents. I don't think anybody writes more beautifully about their cigars than Steve. But again, he's the blender. This is his intent. Take it for what it is. Ultimately, the minute you set fire to that fucker, it's your experience. And I've yet to have I'm getting a- notes of Mississippi pine. Is it pine? It reminds me of the 1986 world series that I saw with my dad. It was <laughs> just. I was, do you want to start writing reviews for the website? That was pretty good. <laughs> no, no. Um, like I said, ultimately it comes down to what we get. And, and I think most times with a lot of the cigars, we don't get what they want us to get, but that's not always a bad thing. We still like the brimstone. We still are obviously. I was about to say, I, Feel, I feel like a total jackass because I'm giving this man shit and I like this cigar. I really love this cigar. Well, I'm just going to quit. Uh, I'm just going to quit reading his stuff then. So you can have a little more, uh, a little less baggage going into it. Um, God, God dog. It's a good cigar. It, it is. It actually is. And it's better. And I'm going to just say it's better than any meat carita I've had, including the firecracker, which is the genesis of the cigar. I, 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 I really like the cigar. And I think I would really like the seven by 64 of the cigar. I, I don't smoke I would, a lot. I of look forward to that you mentioned that. I would like to get a hold of one. Because I'm wondering in that big honking sucker of a cigar, if what I liked about it would be more pronounced, but it would also give, give wiggle room for some other shit to get come through i'm going to seek it out i i am actually going to seek that bad boy out uh okay i'll come back to it i'll come back and i will agree with you this is better than the other makers and i like the makers yeah that's where our 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 journey from here on out the end of the year gets interesting that that was our number one cigar of the year a couple years ago 
We had a lot of good cigars this year, boys. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good cigars. It's going to be tough. We're going to be. I've got a lot. I've got a lot of cigars. Uh, you know, when you like, hey, is there any cigar that you want to retaste for the uh, all of the them. end of it? <laughs> all of them. All of them. But then it always ends up like, did you go back and revisit all the cigars? Yeah. Would you Would you think? I was drinking. I don't. I think I, I think I like that one. I don't really. <laughs> no, 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 no. I put it into my Excel spreadsheet here, oh. and uh... you finally started that, like I asked you to. <laughs> Moving on. Let's get back to the movie for a little bit. Oh, and by the way, I gotta say this Squirt Gun uh, IPA is really, man. I think it, I think the dialed down IBUs really helped me get the intent of the cigar without fucking around with it, but it's still really flavorful. Uh, man, real ale kicks ass. They, they just make so many good beers. They do. Um, where is, where the hell is Blanco, Texas? Uh, closer to Austin. South. I was gonna say, I, I live close to Austin. <laughs> never, never heard I of say it. Closer, you- on the San Antonio Lord, side. Once you get the other side, the west side south, of Austin, you don't care about that. You know, it's funny. Uh, we, you get the Amber Alerts on your phone every time a, something happens with a kid. And when you're driving on the highway here in Texas, they have these big billboards where they do like Amber Alerts and like Silver Alerts, like when an old person goes missing or whatever. I have yet to ever get an Amber Alert or a Silver Alert. I get it. Texas is a big state. I never have heard of any of these towns. Like Silver Alert, 1997 Mazda uh, pickup truck, last seen in, you know, Hold Your Balls County. I'm like, <laughs> I've got, that's weird because I always get them from San Antonio or Dallas, just those two big cities. It just shows how big the state is. I'm like, there's a city I've never heard of. Never heard of that county. I was like, I've never heard of any of these places. Anyway, there's a little. <laughs> well, Hold Your Balls is uh, notable for, I think it was like the 15th bank the Dalton gang robbed. Oh, was that, was that what got, that was? Got a, yeah, it's got a historic a historic downtown to it. The Newton boys all acquired herpes in Hold Your Balls County. Uh, I kind of said that like the narrator on Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, I was about, no, don't don't compare yourself to the late great Waylon Jennings. Looks oh, like these look, they looks were like holding their boys. own too tight. Looks like these boys will be holding their balls for more than. <laughs> I think I folks. That's a lot of ball hauling right there. Speaking Insert. of ball hauling, yeah. No, oh, I was just saying, get back to the movie. Oh yeah, that was my segue. Speaking of holding your balls, French composer Philippe LaRue says that every great memorable piece of music needs that one moment of madness. And I think it's clear in tonight's film that that special moment is the intense hot oil wrestling match between undercover lethal agent Killer Kim and a beauty named Hug Huggins. Hug Huggins. I, I was rooting for Hug the whole time. I agree. I agree. I thought, under- I thought she had it. I thought she, she was had the underdog. It. Yeah, but, um, but but she's got some fire to her. She's got some fire to her. 
Uh, those were her boobs. Ginormous boobs. Just. I actually was hoping that they would have named her Huge Huggins, but Hug Huggins is okay. Hmm. It should be noted that the match itself is refereed by a red-haired mustache Jason Tuttle. Dude, did that guy look just like Tut refereeing that match? I did not like a red, see that. Yeah, but no, what I love more than anything else is if they, when they do the little crowd scan, there's like an old grandma that's like right up front and center like, ah, get him, get him. Here's the deal, boys. When I was in Vegas. two movies that I've been in. I was in Vegas in... 2007-ish, I guess. Uh, no, earlier than that. I, I don't know when. I'm, I'm horrible with dates. Me and the doctor went down there for uh, a film festival, or a film I directed was in. And part of the festival was the, uh, the, the big videotape, home video conference was going on. And they gave you a booth at the conference to sell your film to video stores and distributors and so we had this little booth, me and the doctor hanging out there all day. We got a little TV, one of those little VCR TV combos playing our trailer yeah. over and over again. I think we met John on the show before. We met John Cryer, Ducky there. He interviewed us for extra. Uh, Kevin Smith we hung out with. But uh, the dudes next to us had this terrible film. These <laughs> two filmmakers. They had this atrocious film. But they would always come in the next day just completely like we we drank our fucking faces off every night we were in Vegas. These guys would come in and we're like, man, what were you guys doing? Like we got it was like three or four days, so we got to know these these two knuckleheads. And uh, <laughs> we were staying, uh, we were lucky enough to stay at the at the uh, the, Vene- the Venetian where the 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 convention was taking place. These guys were like, man, you guys are missing out. They were staying at Mickey Gillies. I guess he had a hotel and casino somewhere down in old old Vegas. But they would tell us about these oil wrestling matches. Every night they had these oil wrestling matches at Mickey Gillies. And you got to imagine there was old, like you said, to old ladies that are sitting there with their slot machines that just spin their stool around. And watch these big titty chicks just beat the shit out of each other. I love this scene. I love it. Tut, you and I tried to make a movie many years ago where I had a huge mud wrestling scene in it. I, I, I just uh, officiated by the late great Rowdy Piper. Yeah, Rowdy Piper was going to be. Uh, I, I was I had approached the the main man Rowdy to to be the referee in the scene. God, it would have been great. Um, real quick though. That guy that looked like Tut. No, no, I'm sad. That guy that looked like Tut with the red afro. I looked him up. His name's David Hayter. He went on to be one of the most successful boom operators in Hollywood to this day. With over 100 TV shows. And like you name a big budget movie, Hollywood blockbuster. He's the fucking boom operator, Yaks. That's what you do when we travel. He's, no, he's like... I'm- He's like, he's like the Spielberg of boom operators. So, Tut, there is hope for you yet. You, you can turn into something here, boy. I've just been like, wow, they've got my doppelganger on two of these movies that we've done. <laughs> hey, what was the other one? Uh, slugs. 
you were at the bar in slugs. The bar in slugs. You had a black afro and a and a giant handlebar mustache. That's right. I love the girls' dialogue as they shower after their oil wrestling match. Hugs Huggins. Hug Huggins says her boyfriend doesn't want her to oil wrestle anymore because he doesn't think it's dignified. To which undercover lethal secret agent Killer Kim says, "Well, a blowjob isn't dignified, but I'm guessing he doesn't have a problem with that." Fair point, I suppose. But there's two male lethal agents watching them shower for some reason. That makes no sense. They're just like watching them. And when they say that thing about blowjobs, they look at you like, no, that's not. That doesn't. That's not the same thing. No. <laughs> Which on the surface, I, I didn't really think about it. But then I was like, why were they watching them oh, shower? Were they watching? Like, <laughs> guns. Guns. Well, I guess at this point, because of the necessary – what one needs to be able to do while being a lethal agent, that they pretty much just walk around nude anyway, so those guys are basically just used to seeing them naked. Plus, they just had an agent killed, so security has been raised. Oh, they're, they're making sure nobody kills these – okay. I still have to ask, I mentioned earlier, what kind of intelligence agency places their undercover sleeper agents as – Pastry chefs and oil wrestlers. The best damn undercover agency ever. An organization named Lethal. That's who. Lethal Ladies. And by the way, it took me. I'm not bullshitting you here. I give it, I give it straight to you boys every week when we do this. It took me at least an hour and a half on Google to find out what Lethal stands for. Because they never say it in the movie. <laughs> I watched two other oh. I watched two other Lethal Ladies movies. I IMDb Wikipedia Cade was, Cade was wading through the dark net, dark web. Nowhere, yes. nowhere do they tell you what the fuck lethal means. And finally on some obscure thing I found Legion to ensure total harmony and law. And you guys were okay with that one, although you had all these problems with my names. Well, I mean, it would have been different if they were, you know, it was some acronym for boob or something. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, like our acronym? That would have been if Cade made the acronym for lethal. Yeah. Tits. <laughs> um, A little too on the nose there, Cade. If we're lucky. <laughs> So essentially, this scattershot team of acid-washed, jean-wearing slapdicks and top-heavy babes gather together in Vegas to use their collective secret agent powers to take down Dega before he can get his hands on a large shipment of Chinese machine guns coming to America. And as Tut said, we know they're Chinese because they have a big red sticker or a big yellow sticker on the on the gun stock. Oh, it was red. Well, I mean, it was you, red. Take, red. you know what? I mean, I would have really liked to have seen them like they had like captured him at an airport or something. They tear open the crates and he's like, removed the stickers. These aren't Chinese guns. No, no. <laughs> it'll take a, it'll take at least weeks before uh forensics comes back with a match on these weapons. Well, I saw a star there. <laughs> uh, I, I guess my biggest thing was I didn't really get why he was bringing them into America. Like they're a bunch of terror. Well, no. Like, well, remember, we're coming off of the 80s where apparently downtowns were war zones. 
you needed to funnel guns into the into America. Oh yeah, these guys are the guys fighting Bronson in Death Wish Three. Uh huh. They need rocket launching machine guns. You saw the gang warfare in Predator Two. That thing was going nuts. You saw what RoboCop had to deal with. That's true. That's true. Eric Estrada. Also, gonna... RoboCop gun. If we're going to talk about guns, that's yeah. Eric Estrada is going to make a fortune off these guns. You're right. You're right. I I I wasn't putting myself in the context of 1990 cinema. 1990 accurately. Uh, also, every sportsman in America who will need one for duck hunting. Of course, that is true. <laughs> I love how the guy that's part of the podcast who has the most guns is given a. <laughs> A, a, a little slap to the the second the second amendment guys. Good job, Yax. Nicely done. You need this bazooka for duck hunting. Ducks, slugs, mallards, slugs, <laughs> mallards. <laughs> okay, well, um, TNA wise, there are several sets of enormous knockers on display throughout the film. I counted seven sets. Uh, or pairs to be exact. Mostly we see them in dressing rooms or showers, although we do get to see some nice ones in a steamy bedroom scene with Eric Estrada himself. Only unlike most low-budget films we dive into, these are extremely top-shelf, top-of-the-class melons, courtesy of Playboy Playmates and Penthouse Pets. There's no baloney tits here. There's no... Podunk, Arkansas, titty bar, tits on display. Andy Sedaris gets the best of the best, and I give him props to that. Sorry, Todd. I know those were your preferred titties back on the Travis Tritt tour, but you're not in Little Rock anymore, pal. I still like them au naturel. What do you guys think about the Baloney Tits podcast? BT, BTP. Actually, that's yeah. terrible. I, would, I wouldn't listen to that podcast. No. no, that's terrible. No, I'm just, we're just gonna stick with Tuesday night score club. It's easy. We're lazy. That's a demographic, a listener that I don't really want to <laughs> explore. I really want <laughs> no shit. I've been waiting for a podcast about baloney tits. <laughs> and here, they, all they do is make fun of me for liking them. Thank you for joining us on the Baloney Tit Podcast. Why are you here? <laughs> they're the worst. They're the worst type of titties. I'm going to keep listening because you guys are the only one in, in the market. But God damn, you guys are assholes. <laughs> so TNA wise, A plus. Action wise, there's plenty of chase scenes, often involving airplanes, helicopters, and motorcycles. The chase scenes are decently enough choreographed, and the use of aircraft and aerial footage from those, they certainly add a nice touch to the feel of the flick. And it makes the budget, probably a very minuscule budget, seem a lot bigger than it is. Yeah. Not probably a minuscule budget. It, it, these things were made on a minuscule budget. And Lethal Lady Donna really likes to blow shit up with a sweet rocket launcher as well. We'll get more on that later. Oh, and speaking of action, out of fucking nowhere, about halfway through the film, some ninjas show up who are the worst trained ninjas ever. What, what is kind what of about, ninja what about carrying, what about carrying like a, like a dressed like a ninja? Yeah, one's like wearing sneakers. 
uh, with his ninja costume. He's carrying like a billy club. It's not even like a, a thing. Uh, so I want to know why is all of the equipment in this gym pink? I just there were so many questions. There was there was a lot of questions. Uh, but I do I, I will say this this scene did at least provide one of the most hilarious sayings for this movie. What's that? After the ninjas are attacking the two dudes and they're like kicking their ass, all of a sudden out of nowhere the girl comes out with the just enormous hand cannon. The guy's like, you know, the ninja's all like, hey, yeah. She's like, hey, yeah, your ass. And just blows his chest. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't drinking milk. Yeah, <laughs> um, would you say those are the worst ninjas you've ever seen on film? Yes. Yeah. The movie ends with us learning that not only there was one group of people who were more poorly trained than the ninjas, the lethal ladies and boys, they can't shoot anything. Like there's so many shootouts. The bullets are going just everywhere, but their targets. So they basically our government is spending millions to keep these sleeper agents. And they are just terrible. They're, they're just terrible. Uh, guns. Um, I was enjoying all of these scenes quite immensely. I will say this. They're all missing shit except Donna, uh, the blonde lethal agent, who blasts Eric Estrada away in the final moments with not one, but three rockets from her rocket launcher. And it was a good... Andy Sedaris blows up bodies really good. Like, even when the, the thing explodes, you can see the dummy's legs, like, they're actually blowing up a, a, a something that looks kind of like a person. Well, I, I will re- rewind just a second because as Danny Trejo is portraying a villain, every time he portrays a villain, he dies. That's that's just it's it, it's sure. it's in his contract. Yeah. He want, that was one of the things he always said, you know, if I'm as a bad guy, I want people to know that the bad guy doesn't win. So I want my character to die. You had a problem with how he died in this movie? Oh, did I? The fact that the the trellis from the soundstage just collapsed right onto him. Well, it collapsed because the lethal agent, Shane, firing at him, didn't know how to fire his gun. And instead of shooting straight ahead, he was shooting up everywhere, and it just happened to shoot down this giant lighting scaffolding that that, that crushed Danny. And then Shane gave, gave it like a little look like, we're we're gonna get to the to. It was like a fight scene from a GI Joe cartoon. There's the little lasers shooting everywhere, but no one's getting hit. Oh, it was like stormtroopers, dude. Yeah, <laughs> stormtroopers at least shot and they got next to you. But hey, the end of our film, Eric Estrada gets blown to smithereens by three rockets. I mean, that was kind of cool. It was. She should have said, "Here's four of a kind." But she had already used one. There was only three. Three of a kind. And then she says, guns. <laughs> Am I the only one? I don't, I don't like Hey, this. Dega, this pair is more than a handful. 
too. This will this will make you flush. Yeah. <laughs> there weren't nearly. I think we we're saying there's there wasn't nearly enough card uh, one liners based on card a deck of cards. Well, that You're was the call- biggest thing was always leaving the leaving yeah. the cards around. Don't ever underestimate the Joker. He's wild. <laughs> the Joker's was- not the only thing wild, Dega. Oh, there you go. Mm. Like, like it. That's what that's what his uh, mistress should have said. You know, she was always trying to get him in bed, and when she finally did, time to show you the Joker's not the only thing wild. Gah! Me and Andy Sedaris, man, we can we can, maybe, we can make maybe, some magic. Maybe we should make one of these movies. We got a camera. Shart ladies. No, 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 no. Shart. No. no, nobody's gonna watch that. Queef Patrol. <laughs> uh, I, I'm almost done okay. with this. How are you guys doing? Yeah, me too. Me too. You want to talk price point? <laughs> Speaking it's of points. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <sighs> Terrible. It's actually for a for a, a, a five inch cigar. It seems like we've been it's been burning kind of slow. Well, I've also been like really disciplined and not doing my normal thing to it. I've actually been trying to trying to hang in there. It's not burning my fingers, so I think I've been doing good. Man, construction. That's what, that's what my man Blanco said. Uh, I will go thirteen twenty five. Thirteen twenty five. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Five inch. Ten. Nothing wrong with five inches. Nine fifty. There's like a four dollar difference between you guys. What was your thought process with thirteen twenty five? Because that's what you'll pay for like one of his uh, moisture day sockas. Oh really? I think. I I mean I th- I think his those are like his cream of the crop regular production things and um but if you're saying that's what you would pay for that's 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 high praise. I probably would pay for it. Okay. Uh, I would probably because that 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 flavor profile that's present throughout the entire dang thing. Knowing the construction of what this thing goes through, first of all, the way the way it's constructed, I'm always going to err on the on the high side because it's such a good quality construction. Yeah. Time is spent on this thing, uh, and then knowing Saka from our interviews, knowing the care that he puts into choosing his tobaccos, I'm man, I'm going to err on the high side there. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean. Um... I get that. I I would probably go. Let me take one more puff here. There's three people in this industry that I absolutely believe them when they say 
I don't mark up things just to mark up. I'm not going to be marking up things just to put a premium or to make an exclusive type type situation. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and Steve's one of them. I don't think that, except, I mean, even when he does his unicorn, he is like, I am trying to make it this ridiculous expensive. And this is what it took to make it. This is, this is why it's a hundred dollars. I don't think he made an $8. Yeah. I don't think he made an $8 cigar slapped a hundred dollar sticker on it and called it a day. I think he actually knows his craft to where he actually built that $100 cigar. No, I, I, I agree with that. Who's your other two guys you believe? Uh, Robert Holt and Skip. Okay. Um, I would probably say 1075. 1075? Right. Let me look in my notes. Uh, oh. <laughs> I win. Uh, 1075. Damn, you're good. Damn. Right in the middle, you boys. I would win Price is Right. And we're going to have – that's going to tie into something I'm going to tell you guys later that uh, ties into Price is Right. Uh, yeah, 1075. That's a good price for this dick. Dude, are you getting the Blinko girl from Price is Right on the show? Uh, no. Okay. I'm getting the guy who cool does – you know, but... I'm getting the guy who does the yodeling for the Blinko guy. Okay. It's also awesome. <laughs> it's my <laughs> uncle. <laughs> and he touched me when I was younger. So we're going to get into some really dark shit on that show. Prepare uh, yourself. Yeah, that was coming. Prepare yourselves. Cody, I, I was, I was going to say good luck on that show, but you know what? I'm not going to let you do that alone, brother. Thank you. That will be episode 128. We're going to call that one The Price Was Wrong. <laughs> the Wrong Price. The Wrong Price. Yeah, 1075. And uh, I'm totally okay with that. It sounds like you were real close, Yak, so you're probably okay with that. Tut, that's a couple bucks. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely okay with that. Remember this, folks. When purchasing some fine Dunbarton or other premium cigars from FamousSmokeShop.com, uh, these were generously provided to us by Steve. But when you go to famoussmokeshop.com to buy some Tricky Traka, use your new favorite promo code TNCC20 at checkout. It will knock 20 bucks off your purchase of $100 or more. That's like 20%. Tut, you're in college now. 20%? It's like $20. Hey, there's nothing tricky about that. And the cool thing is, you don't even have to enter the promo code. If you go to our website first, click on the banner there, do your shopping, it automatically enters it. Isn't cool technology, is that? Do you know how I know this? Beautiful? Do you know how I know this? How? Because just, just last night, I made that order. And I made my selection. I was like, I'll take this little tin pack here. I'll take this little bundle of tin here. And it ended up being 99-something dollars. And I was like, crap. Well, I'm just going to have to get this five-pack here. But if you go to uh, on the Famous Smoke Shop website, you click over on Cigar Monster, you can grab a five-pack with free shipping. Put you right over 100 but you're getting free shipping now and 20 bucks off. Now you're cooking. Now oh, you I should have done that. Oh, man, amateur hour. I've only said it like a thousand times. I know, I know, I know. And I keep forgetting that. Yeah, always, always, if you're buying from Famous, head over to Cigar Monster. Look for just something you might want to try out for like something. 
20 bucks. But dude, just something it. alone, the shipping alone, because I always do like two day shipping. I can't, I can't wait. I need, no, I need that, that extra two days, which is about 16 bucks coming to this oh, house. Oh, God, Todd. You're like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, get the free shipping, and you're, you're, right. you get a, a nice handful of cigars um, for 80 bucks with our discount. Free shipping, boom. Um, famoussmokeshop.com. I will say, I, I lit up as my follow-up cigar a uh, original Sober Mesa Short Churchill, which granted are a little more action-packed than the regular line Sober Mesas, but it has got the tingling no spice Ooh, right there. in the, the pepper that there. It's, it's big brother, the big broadleaf bully, the tricky traca was, yeah. that's what I was expecting, but it, the Short Churchill actually has more of a immediate impact, uh, Upon setting fire, you know the it. funny thing is, is that I like the fact that it didn't go with that spice on the nose. It literally left me speechless for you know a good minute or two, just soaking that in. I mean, I just I literally had to soak in the flavor of the scarf because I was yeah. just like, wow, this is so far outside of what I was expecting. So what am I dealing with here? So I I respect that. It's funny how cigar- I really hope that's what it was going for. Um. Well, it's what we got, so it's honest. No fake news here. Um, it, it is weird how movies very rarely tend to do that. From the trailer and the poster, you kind of know what you're getting with a movie. Occasionally, one will slip through that gives you something different and a surprise or two. But cigars, more often than not, they, they can completely just spin your head as far as a, a different smoking experience than what you're advertised. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I like that uh, mystery aspect to it. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the, we've talked a lot about Eric Estrada and Danny Trejo. Let's we talk haven't talked about, enough about Danny Trejo. Let's talk about some of the other casts. George Chung rocks as Sifu, a fellow international criminal who does business with Dega and he's he's the one selling him these Chinese weapons, and he's awesome as always. Did you recognize him, Ted? I recognized him as someone I should recognize, and sadly uh, he, I did not. He he's been in a gazillion things, but he was the VC commander in Rambo Two who gets shot with the explosive arrow. Yes, I knew I should have known that. I knew as, soon I, as I saw him, that. he all those background guys. This was one of them. I'm like, oh my god, it's him. He's always there. He's like Endo from Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. Like yeah. He, he just always is in these movies. But his expression when he hears that explosive arrow released is like, oh, shit. Like, he'll always be the guy that gets blown to Kingdom Come uh, in Rambo Part 2. Bruce uh, Penhall plays the lady's fellow secret agent, Bruce. He's the guy that's always in the uh, bare-chested and the leather vest, the blonde. Uh, kind of short guy. What's notable about him is that he played young rookie cop off, and I, I immediately recognized him as Officer Bruce Nelson on Chips. He, the last like two, maybe two seasons of Chips, he was the young rookie motorcycle cop. So I don't know if he pulled some strings to get Officer Poncherello in this thing or what, but because uh, he's in all the other Lethal movies as well. Yeah. Also. 
shirtless wearing vests. Not that I was keeping tabs on them. Because that'd be a weird thing to keep tabs on. Undercover Ve- kept tabs on Witter. Undercover Vegas, the lead agent, Lucas, is played by William Bullmiller. Do you guys recognize him? I thought I should recognize this guy. And I almost dressed up with the sweater over the top. <laughs> I, uh, that was one of my that was one of my outfits. Was he cool. was the gym owner in one of our favorite fitness-based horror flicks, Death Spa. Yes, that makes sense. He was the dude. That makes sense. Everyone kept dying in his fucking gym, but he just like I gotta gotta keep the doors gotta open. Keep it open. The one really cool thing about him in this movie is he has a giant muscle-bound meathead named Brown follow him around everywhere, lighting his cigarettes for him. I've always wanted one of those. A cigarette lighting guy. Okay. I was about to say that's kind of racist, dude. You can't Oh no, I don't I don't no 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 I don't I don't care if he's white or, or and, black. And the other thing oh, you know, okay. we figured out about George was he was that. also Big Trouble Little China. Yes, he's one of the uh Sings, I believe. Yes. Yes. He's in everything. All right. Speaking of Brown, was Brown in anything I might have recognized? Because he seemed like he was kind of. I'm gonna get to Brown in just a minute, and you'll okay. be you'll be glad you waited for this, and you at home will be glad you're waiting for who exact. He's a very small character. He lights cigarettes, and he he's I like a, Brown, man. Very very muscular dude. He's a huge dude, but one of the things I loved is that. There's one time where he comes into the scene just gun drawn, like everything like this, and then like all the action is gone, and everybody just kind of puts their weapon down, but not Brown. Brown's like, well, it's so over the top. Uh, by the way, much like uh, Bruce in the movie is played by an actor named Bruce Brown, his real name is Brown. Like, it was just easier for the director to just name these people their real names. Yeah. Um, but you are going to want to hear the story about the actor playing Brown. Bear with me. All right. All right. Tut, did you recognize Donna's lovely mother, Catherine Hamilton, the kidnapped Nevada attorney general? You have to have recognized her. Uh, yeah, I did. This uh, might be the Playboy ultimate. 1978. This might uh, be no. this might be the one thing you miss on the podcast in 127 episodes where you literally get up and walk away that you didn't recognize somebody. Because it makes sense that Yak Boy and I didn't recognize her, but you will never forgive yourself for this. I I I can forgive myself for a lot of things, so you have. I'm kind of curious. You've told me that you've <laughs> been able to forgive yourself for a lot of things. Okay. Well, she was played by an actress named Phyllis Davis, who was a regular on your favorite TV show of all time, Magnum P.I., where she played a Waikiki call girl named Cleo Mitchell, who married Rick in the season, the series finale. Where have you been, Tut? Where have you been? He's leaving. He's leaving. Guy says it's his favorite TV show. Doesn't even recognize a major character. He's taking off the tie. He's taking off the bolo oh, tie. Oh, God. No. Leave it on. It's too late. No. <sighs> he couldn't get up. 
It's a part of him now. Well, this will also make yeah, you happy. Sucks. Going back to George. When I said ever. When I said that, that, did it ring a movie? bell? Yeah, uh, t- when I said that, did it ring a bell? Do you, huh? remember, do you no. remember? Do you remember Rick's wedding in the final episode? No. I just lost all of my Magnum PI cred. Yeah, you're gonna get kicked out of the no, not Magnum really. PI. Not really. You're gonna get kicked out of the Magnum really. PI fan fan uh, message boards. No, I've got that. so much. I've got so much goodwill established from my Higgins love. They'll they'll understand. Look, you're gonna go inside. You're going to put on those four-inch inseam OP corduroy shorts, and it's all going to go away. It's all going to go away. That is correct. You're going to go inside, put on that Detroit Lions hat, whack off to Simon & Simon, and that's all you're going to do. (laughs) He's a Simon Simon & Simon man now. Actually sounds like a good, uh, good night. Or the very least you can do is just watch the Simon & Simon and Magnum P.I. crossover. And you'll be done. Did no, that, it was that was the, that was the uh, the the uh, that's where that's what birthed them. They started in Magnum PI, I believe so. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever watch Riptide? Yeah. Oh. yeah. You guys like No, I'm sorry. I I watched uh, uh, Tropic Thunder. Thunder that's, Bay. That's nothing near. No, that's yeah, it's not. That was the one with Hulk Hogan. Yes, that was the one with Hulk Hogan. Okay. And it's just terrible. Yeah, watch that one. Riptide was. I also, I also like the one with uh, uh, Rowdy Piper and Jesse the Body. That was pretty cool. That did not get the attention it deserved. I'll agree with you on that one. Uh, no, Riptide was uh, Joe Perry and Perry King. Yes. And it was phenomenal. And I was a fan because Perry King comes from my birthplace, a little town in Ohio. And his parents were friends with my grandparents. And when he would come into town uh, over the years, he would stay at my grandparents' house. We have, we have all these pictures of, of Perry King from Riptide uh, hanging out at my, my grandparents' house. And, um, when I caught up after Riptide, he kind of showed up like in like Melrose Place and some other like stuff. But I was always like, yeah, by all counts, a very nice man. Otherwise, my grandparents would not have let him stay at their mm-hmm. house. Did you guys like the California Kid? I did like the California Kid. There's a scene in the in the movie, folks, where they our heroes get stranded out in the desert. Uh, their van gets blown up by a helicopter and this race car, this drag race car pulls up and it's like, you guys need a lift? I'm like, who are you? I'm the California kid. Let's go. I'm the California kid. So they throw this giant trunk of guns that they carry everywhere in the trunk and they, the California kid takes them into the city. The California kid uh, was played by Sedaris's son, Christian Sedaris. Uh, who also served as assistant director on all of his, his father's films. So that's why I mentioned that. Uh, it was a family affair. Mom produced, dad directed, uh, Christian uh, assistant director. I liked it. All right. I hardly ever, ever look up trivia uh, on the films we showcase, but for some reason I did tonight, and I think it was I was trying to find out what the hell lethal stood for. 
So I did a little deeper research Deep than dive, I yeah. than I usually do. And I found these two juicy nuggets regarding two of our actors, one of which you've asked for, Tut, so I'm going to share it. I'll start with John Brown, who played the character of Brown. He was a highly touted freshman running back who many analysts believed would be the number one pick in the 1990 NFL draft by the Houston Oilers. Ignoring his agent's advice, Brown decided to take a small, meaningless role in tonight's film just weeks before the draft. While filming a fight scene, Brown was to kick through a door. The stunt effects team, I think it was in the gym when he punches through that door. Yeah. The stunt effects team failed to swap that door to a breakaway panel resulting in Brown kicking clean through a mahogany door, tearing his ACL, his MCL, his Achilles, and his kneecap. Oh, man. After six years of grueling rehab, Brown ended up playing two games as a backup for the Edmonton Eskimos up in Canada, where he ran for 17 yards on nine carries. That's less than that's That's like a yard a carry. Oh, what a sad story that is. I will choose to remember John Brown for the super rad white and pink workout unitard he wore in this film. Yes. Nobody, nobody other than maybe myself could fill out that unitard the way he did. And I will applaud him for putting his Hollywood dreams above. Hey, we've seen running backs come and go, man. He is always going to be in this movie. I think he made the right call. I disagree. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Film is forever. Is it? Yeah, but uh, he made what, a couple to... bucks on this movie. Well, if nothing else, isn't that the craziest story you ever heard? That oh, is horrible. Terriblest story I've ever heard. It's incredible. Nothing sad. else. You know what? Even if you didn't get to play, even if you didn't even get to try out, how do you explain to someone I could have done something, but I kicked a door that wasn't supposed to be a was supposed to break away, but I literally kicked through a real door and tore my entire leg up. What movie was it? Terminator, Terminator Two, Guns, Guns. That's horrible, man. Oh, it my is, God. It is a terribly sad story. I, I'm just trying to give him some kind of uh, golden, you know, hey, let's say you had a three-year career, which is good for running back in the NFL. Nobody's going to remember you. We watched you and enjoyed you in guns, so it wasn't for naught. Well, please that tell is, me. It's true. I've got an even crazier story. If we could okay. at least run into him at least one time and be like, at least tell me you slept with some of the large-breasted women from the film. Oh, I, I slept with all of them. Then you, you have accomplished something. There you go. All right. Thank you, I sir. Didn't, I didn't I didn't think that story could be topped until I uncovered this gem. The role of Abe the older chunky agent who performs magic tricks to get his perps to talk while under interrogation <laughs> before blasting them wide open with a sweet ass silver shotgun. Mm-hmm. I like that shotgun a lot. Well, 
That role was originally cast with a different actor. Chuck McCann, the guy who played Abe, was in Honolulu with his wife. He had won an all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii on The Price is Right after winning both showcase showdowns. The movie was shooting at his hotel in Hawaii when a series of misunderstandings, I tried, I couldn't figure out what these misunderstandings were, (laughs) resulted in him shooting scenes throughout the entire picture. It wasn't until the editing process that director Andy Sedaris realized he'd never cast Chuck McCann in the role and had never spoke to him on set. What the hell? That can't be right. He's in so much of this movie. (laughs) And he's the director. Who the fuck is this guy? I've got 20 scenes with this guy. Who is he? I never cast this guy. I wasn't on set for these days. And he wasn't bad. It was weird that it was weird. It was weird that he wasn't like you know the beefcake that everybody else was. But all of a sudden, you got this chunky dude in there, this chunky middle aged guy. He is an actor. He's got a long. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I was like, he he wasn't just a tourist that was just. That's what I was thinking. I was like, how the hell did that happen? No, he was an actor vacationing with his wife on Price's Rights dime. But the legend says when Sedaris went back and watched the film, he's like, who is this guy? I don't know how that's possible. He's in so many scenes. Yeah, I just... But it's... I'm calling BS. If, on that any movie, if there's any look, movie... There, look, there, there is an answer for this. There's an answer for this right now. Guns. Guns. It's called Blow. If there's any movie... <laughs> that that could happen it would be this movie though Sedaris <laughs> is like you just don't understand the copious amount of blow that was there <laughs> that might I be mean, the craziest piece of movie trivia I've ever read <laughs> I got in the editing booth and I started watching this stuff and this guy's in 20% of the scenes and I'd never seen him before <laughs> especially there's a three minute scene where this chick, big boob chick is running this remote controlled boat cold beers out to this actor as he's fishing how do you not how do you not like what and he has like a huge magic act like it's... he's a he's a, he's a one of the characters i mean he's one of the team yes this isn't like just this isn't like just some you know three seconds as a b as a you know b stand in dude I, no. I could see that happening with us on one of our little short films or whatever like tut like Who's that? You're like, I don't know. I thought you got him. He's just in the footage. I don't, because we drink so much. <laughs> I just thought those, those two little uh, trivia bits, I'm like, holy shit, maybe I should have like be looking this shit up for every movie because it's that stuff that gives the character. Oh my God. You got the sad story of John Brown. You got the un- inexplicably crazy story of Chuck McCann. All right. Moving on from the cast. Favorite scenes in the movie. I have. Oh, you just. Did you? Did I forget somebody you want to talk about? No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got two favorite scenes in the movie. All right. The first is where agents Bruce and Nicole are hanging out in the desert for some reason. 
He's just standing there looking ahead at nothing while wearing a leather vest with no shirt underneath for some reason. And she's sunbathing on top of a motorcycle in a leather bikini for some reason. There's some tender music playing as Bruce turns to Nicole and tells her, fate stepped in and it made sure that you weren't killed in the restaurant that first scene in the film. You're meant to do something special with your life. Nicole says, well, I better watch my ass then. To which Bruce says, I think I can help you with that. And then the music switches because I watch with subtitles on. It says music switches to desirable music. Desirable. And she puts Bruce's hand on her boob and they end up doing it on top of the motorcycle. I like that scene a lot. Did you guys like that scene? I actually thought that that was the prettiest scene in the entire movie. That sunset movie. That that desert sunset. There's a sunset directly behind them. The camera is shot off in the distance, looking directly at the motorcycle with the sun directly behind them. So it is just a beautiful silhouette of this beautiful orange red hues. It's by far the prettiest, most artistic scene. It was was John Ford, Terrence Malick-esque. It it didn't one question that I had. It was like, well, how far off into the desert are they? And And why were they out there? There was no reason for them to be out they well, I was waiting like they're for some reason my brain just said, okay, this beautiful sunset, the silhouette of them making love on the motorcycle, and then I was just waiting for like a car to drive by. The the California kid is <laughs> coming back around. <laughs> like uh, I had a yeah, you're literally off on the shoulder of the highway. Why are why didn't you go drive out into the desert? But I was like, well, wait a second, what? Why are they here? Guns. That was the no, only thing I couldn't figure no, out. Guns. There was, there was no, because they actually really struggled to get into the city from the desert when their van got blown up and their motorcycle got blown up. And then as soon as they got back there, they jumped on the motorcycle and went back out into the desert to screw. Yes, it was, it was like there was no, <laughs> there was no context for this scene. Yeah. I was like, okay, so you want to have a love scene, but what's the context? I was like. You Guns. meet up. I, she gives a call in to the headquarters, come pick me up or something. And no, it just sexy silhouette, naked motorcycle seat. He picked her up. There you go. I have a, I have two scenes and I can't make up my mind, which one I like better. Uh, <laughs> one is the obvious. You alluded to it earlier. Uh, well, the also. death by motorized, uh, motor remote control boat where McCann is out there fishing and he's like, Hey baby, give me another beer. And this girl puts a beer on the motorized boat, runs it out to him. He picks it up. It's tied to a hand grenade, blows up. I I was like, that's probably the most TNCC scene of the, uh, well, actually it was very TNCC because it was literally 90 seconds after he had had her (laughs) drive another beer out to him. She she put a beer on the boat, sent it out to him across the lake. He well he's chugging it. She gets killed, and then the assassin, hey baby, send me another beer over here. It's been t- less than two minutes. Uh, he's clearly an alcoholic. Well, it was it was Bud Light. I mean, so that's you know, true. You don't drink those fast out there. I mean, uh, the second he, scene he, is uh, he deserved to die. 
for drinking bad beer? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's the reason why he drank it so fast. Oh, okay. Uh, the the second scene, which I'm probably leaning a little bit more to, is uh the scene where Donna, the the big boobed, brown haired girl, is it uh, washing she, her no, hands in the restroom. That's, that's Nicole. Nicole's the oh daughter. Nicole Nicole. The uh, so she's sitting there washing her hands in the restroom. One of the assassins comes in drag, and starts washing her hands right next to her his hands and it's it's obviously a guy in a wig with makeup on there's no way that this is not a passable trans it's a dude with a wig mm-hmm. and she looks over at him and then just back to her hands oh nothing nothing strange there and then looks over and then she sees obvious man hands except it's got the tattoo of the assassin yeah. on there she recognizes the tattoo and that's what clues her to something's wrong. Not the fact that there's this dude in a wig right next to her, but just, just the assassin tattoo. I, I did read that, that scene cracked me up. There was it's, one it's, pe- it's there was six, a, five female with five o'clock shadow. That, that problem. Exactly. To kind of explain why she didn't pick up on these other signs and why they make some really boneheaded moves. There was another piece of trivia I read where, the government recruited for the lethal ladies squad, uh, primarily from Stephen F. Austin university. Um, that was kind of their, their pool of, uh, where, where they went, where they went for there. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I'll say this before, before I ask you, uh, Yaks, I did have a second favorite scene. Uh, I couldn't just pick one. And that would be at the beginning of the final act as the lethal team prepares for all-out war with the Jack of Diamonds. This is after our boy gets killed in the boat and things are getting serious. Shane opens up the giant red clunky trunk they carry around everywhere so he can hand everyone their gun for the huge mission. Because as top secret agents, they don't get to carry just whatever gun they want. He's got to give it to them. Only he hands everyone a tiny 22 caliber pistol, way smaller than anything else they've been using throughout the entire movie, and no extra clips or anything. Just like, here's your tiny gun. Oh, here's your tiny gun. And they carry those around in this trunk chest that takes two people to lift. Except for himself, he assigns him a big ass honking 357 which, as I mentioned, we'll learn later, he has no idea how to shoot the thing. I just love that this top-secret government agency with their own airplanes and a budget to keep their agents undercover in Vegas and Hawaii for years at a time keeps all their guns in this child's bright red trunk that you can buy at Hobby Lobby for 45 bucks. And there's not, like, any cool padding in there. Like, they're just, like, piled on. Uh, As their leader, Lucas, dude, the, the boss man, Lucas, he's like, you need a gun? He's like, I got it. He opens up his blazer like Tut's wearing. He didn't have a shoulder holster. It's tucked in the little pocket, like the handkerchief pocket. He didn't, didn't, have, kind of they didn't have the budget for that. No. I keep my tiny gun in my tiny coat pocket the way I like it. It's so unintentionally hilarious. This is like the scene where it's like, they're, they're arming up. This is badass. It's, it's hysterical. And even Tong, Danny Trejo, who works for one of the world's biggest arms dealers, he carries a tiny little gun. He's got a little wiener pistol in that shootout. Yeah, yeah. 
I guess for a movie called Guns, I would have liked to see better guns. guns. They, they should have just called the movie Jugs. <laughs> I can live with it. Jugs. Perhaps. Perhaps. How uh, do we solve this problem? Jugs. Jugs. Yax, your favorite scenes, or do we somehow miraculously cover them? No, no. Go back all the way. For whatever reason, the 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 Shemel assassins, when they're do when they're do dressed when they're just Inter- normal dudes, but they're talking to Estrada's and and character, and they're like pitching these ideas to kill the lady. I'm like, they're like a. It's like, okay, these are the assassins. All right, so check this out. We're going to come in. We're going to do a song and a dance. We're going to just, I mean, they're selling this. We're going to kill her like this. And I mean, even he, like you said, he, Strata's character, like, well, just be cerebral. Just shoot her in the fucking head. Like, yeah. Oh, we got transistors. But uh, you can just kind of see, like, the disappointment in their faces, like, oh. All right, fine. And the, funny, and the funny thing about them is, you think since he's making them just shoot them boring, you know, the most boring way to kill somebody, that they dress up in drag just to make it more interesting. But then later in the movie, they're dressing up in drag just to go have a drink at a bar. That they're, they're actually they're, they're actually, actually crossdressers. Crossdressers. Yes. So I was just like, <laughs> the, the the concept that these guys are just like. All right, here's what we're going to do. It was like they were trying to concoct this like Rube Goldberg death sequence. So she's going to come out. She's going to slip on the banana peel, (laughs) fall into the – you're just like, hey, no, what? I was interested. Like, I want to actually see this happen. No, Yaks, you said something to me on the phone the other day. You said they they were the the used car salesman. Of of assassin like the, the way they were trying to sell their 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 talents, yeah, they're actually very entertaining in their in their kind of sleaziness and their their goofballness. But uh, yeah, and I will say this: maybe I have a third favorite scenes. I loved every scene with that big titty chick singing on stage at that nightclub <laughs> because she is singing the most horrible music. Go doing the most horrible choreography. No fun. Girls. No but fun. I'm watching her because she has these huge, enormous. I was about to say horrible choreography. I thought it was pretty top notch. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just saying if I paid thirty bucks for a, a you know a seat in the VIP section. But what I love most about it was they would cut out to the audience, and there would be like a sixty year old man and his wife, and the wife would be like. Like, it's the greatest fucking show they've ever seen. And I'm just picturing me taking my wife to this goddamn show. Vegas, baby. Vegas. No, not Vegas, dude. That would never, ever. No. But these people were loving it. Off strip Vegas. Oh, my God. They were loving it. Possibly, yes. And I said the most horrible music, but I've been singing that gun song in my head for like three days. <laughs> it's no fun. It's no fun. She was amazing on stage. You know what else is amazing, fellas? What was What's that? that? <laughs> Glad you guys asked. Of course, I'm talking about the Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel for Minute Cigar by Drew Estate. 
The Pappy of Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Grande Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes or bundles, as we learned earlier from our boy uh, Trace Atkins, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added, while mince pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two, three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. Tut, we've seen these men, and I say men, do this process, and it's nothing wimps like us could do. Uh, I'm definitely not going to jack with them. No, absolutely. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> uh, the tobacco, uh, like I said, is removed two, three times per year, shaken out, repacked by these men. The total process fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pavin Winkles Family Reserve Bell Fermented is now available at every brick and mortar Drew Diplomat retailer everywhere. And this is important. If you would like to smoke the best presentation of this blend, the unique pig-sized. Everybody know, associates pig-sized with Drew State, and you should. If you want to get the pig-sized Vitola of the Pappy, Head over to pappyco.com and give the Pappy Sisters some of your money because that's the only place you'll find it. And the sisters are really good people. And it's always nice when you spend money to know it's going to some good people. And they're very sweet, very, it's an awesome family. And I'm not just saying that. Guns, the Pappy Van Winkle is fun. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't just say nice things about those girls. Maybe they'll send me a bottle. (laughs) You keep hoping. You keep hoping. Ultimately, boys, these triple B movies filled with bullets, bombs, babes, and boobs. I think that was actually four Bs. Uh, The quadruple B movies were made to entertain us without asking anything of us as an audience member. All we have to do is press play, relax, and let Andy Sedaris work his magic. If you like big-breasted chicks running around in white cowboy boots, if you like hard-bodied studs and acid-washed jeans looking confused by anything and everything going on around them, you will love guns. These Sedaris films, because I, I told you I went back and watched a couple of the others, because it's the same cast, yeah. same crew, same kind of uh, characters. They're like a poor man's Fast and Furious franchise with 1985 Chevrolet Celebrity Station Wagons substituted for Camaro Super Sports. And I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually, I prefer, I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious, but I like this shit. Uh, it's got heart and it's got, uh, I know their intent. And they did a lot with a little. Well, not in the titty department, but uh, <laughs> in the main in the, in the, in the, um, do you guys, I'm guessing you guys like the movie? Yes. I thought it was cute. I thought it was fun. I'm not going to say it was a great film, but it was, it was exactly what I thought it would be. And that's enough for me. Had you not watched it when you asked me to do it on the show? You just never, I knew nothing about it. I saw the trailer. I didn't even recognize that it was this. This cast, because I've seen Malibu Express uh, a couple of times, actually. Uh, 
I had no idea that this was part of that universe. Uh, so it is yeah, a universe. A surprise to it is to reverse to like the Marvel universe and like the Fast and Furious universe. This is a universe. If you go back and watch these films, there's about six or seven of them. Same actors. Sometimes they'll have different character names. It doesn't matter. Sometimes they'll be playing different roles. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but it, it is a universe that he kind of created. And with these key, again, you get Estrada plunked into this one. You get, uh, you know, uh, Endo from Lethal Weapon plugged into another one. So, yeah, he did create a little universe there at the end of his career. And I, I'm glad he did. I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I did too. I should mention before we leave that uh, I did watch the Andy Sedaris 1989 movie Savage Beach, which takes place immediately prior to the, tonight's film Guns, and it featured a lot of the same titties, sorry, same cast members, and overall it had the same vibe. But I commend Tut on choosing Guns because it was indeed a more enjoyable flick, thanks to a healthy dose of Eric. Estrada. I think I feel the way about Estrada as you guys did about Shatner on our last show, where just him being there, even though I thought he was sleepwalking through the movie, just him being there gave you guys the 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 comforting. Oh, I love Shatner, and uh, yeah. that's how I get about Estrada. Like just just seeing him on screen makes me happy. I'm actually I'm 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 coming over to your camp. I agree with that. I thought like what he did on Cobra was just so zany and swung for the fences and so abnormal to stuff. I've actually seen a couple of clips of him in his uh, Telenueva stuff, and I just yeah, when he's on screen, it just makes you happy. It really does. And I, unlike Shatner and Land of the Free, I felt like he he did something here. I mean, it, it, I, I I personally think he's incapable of coming across as unlikable just because he's so entrenched as Paunch. Uh, there's a lot of actors like that, though. I mean, I watch a lot of sci-fi, you know, creature features, and John Schneider's in a lot of them, and it's like you're you're one of the Duke boys. I, I just, I grew up with you as that. You'll never be anything other than that. On that same thread, sci-fi movies, there's a guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, actually, you'll know it. Corin Nemec. Uh, he played, he's Parker Lewis. Parker Lewis yeah. can't lose. He's been in a million lifetime and sci-fi movies and ver- of various quality. But to me, he's always Parker Lewis because I liked that show when I was growing up. Yeah. And when you make that kind of impression as a, as a character to a young audience, as you get older and they get older, you can't help but just kind of see them as, as that. But I think even if someone just watched this and didn't know who the hell Eric Estrada was, they wouldn't buy him as a villain. In this thing. No. Nah, probably not. Well, uh, it's because he was out of his source. Like I said, if he had just played it as evil paunch so to speak yeah which you kind of did happy with villainy you know i want you to kill her and you just be happy about it yeah be like do what you need to do fucking kill it yeah 
Um, I, I disagree with Todd. I don't think he should have been in Pulp Fiction. I think that was a that would have been a a, a bad call. <laughs> but but you mentioned it nonetheless. I will give Savage Beach points because, like I said, it had Endo from Lethal Weapon in it, and that was a nice touch. Um, they should have dropped him in in here as well. Um, but I will say this. I then watched his directing uh, Swan Song, 1998, almost a decade later, return to Savage Beach. And the guy didn't lose a step as far as bullets and boobs. Although there were a few more dudes and Speedos uh, <laughs> with, with big dongs flapping around the pool. Then I, that was the only movie I saw that in. I could have done without that. That's just me. Well, when you're enjoying a Sedaris film, have a Schmitz gay. <laughs> Look, as the host of the Hilarious Offerings Many Other Seek podcast, it just wasn't for me. Um, however, you guys should watch it, especially you, Tut. Return to Savage Beach did feature wrestling superstar Buff Bagwell. <laughs> <laughs> and some ninjas in a submarine. <laughs> so we'll probably revisit that at some point on the show, just for those two reasons. And dude, Buff Bagwell is getting it on with all these chicks, like under waterfalls. Like he, and he's really like taking it seriously. Uh, yeah. So, so many bare dudes, butt cheeks, and bikini brief bulges, but. They're accompanied by an underwater topless scuba diving scene in this movie that rocked oh. my that rocked my fucking nuts off. To be continued. We might not have seen the last of Andy Sedaris on this podcast. You've sold me. And 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 uh, to in full disclosure. None of those guys flapping dongs or the that none of those were from Buff Bagwell. Okay. He did he did kind of strip down and, and get busy and stuff, but it was Shane from tonight's movie. We get to see his bare ass in uh Savage Beach. It's just a different Something film. To look forward to. It's a like the Moistra de Saka, the Moistra de Sedaris. There's many flavors of Sedaris that he sprinkles into his films. There's many expressions of Andy Sedaris. And thankfully, Tut tonight picked the one with the least amount of dongs. So good job, Tut. Yay. Good job. Team. Good job. Oh, and all and if we do do any of those movies, they would never fit in with the micro penis podcast because those guys those guys are pretty well put together. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, X. Uh, why, why are you telling me? Take the heat off of me. Um, those were your silly names at the beginning of the show. Yeah. If you drink enough, you can change history. I'm working on it. Vigorously. So, so are a lot of people. Do hey, it's been uh, it's it been, keeps coming back. It's been it's been about a, a week or ten days since our election. Do we have a president yet? We do. Uh uh-uh. uh We do. We, we don't. don't. See, no, no, I guess not. 
Okay. We do. We don't. Where are we? Who, who's we're what? not? I'll tell you where we are. We're not a political podcast. So uh, thank God. We are a micro penis podcast, and we thank you guys for joining us and our micro penises every other two weeks. No, 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 no. We vetoed that. Sorry. God, stupid. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, as many shows as we can leading up to the end of the year. Uh, we got a lot of scars we want to feature. They just keep getting better and better. That's what sucks. Well, sucks and is awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so keep tuning in. We're going to keep pumping them out. Tut, give us, speaking of pumping out, pump us out some links. Uh, all right, here we go. <clears throat> <clears throat> okay. Here's your shot. Here's your chance. All right. So if you want to join us on Twitter, you can go to at TNCCCast. If you want to go to Instagram, see all of the wonderful pictures and the stories that are presented there, you can go to at TNCC underscore podcast. If you want to follow us on Facebook, you're more than likely will go to Tuesday Night Cigar Club. You can definitely subscribe to, and we highly suggest that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Tuesday Night Cigar Club there. If you feel like wanting to do a little shopping, go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on the Amazon banner, and then do your shopping from there. It helps keep the lights on here. But no, no, if you no, no, really, no, no. really want to, no, don't if do... you really, really want to, then choose opera, uh, Cigars for Warriors as your charity and then do your shopping because all that stuff will give a little bit to our men and women overseas, and it's it's a good charity to do. So actually, that's probably what you should do. You should go definitely. to Amazon, make make Operation Cigars for Warriors your charity, and then there you go. Yeah. There's something else on our website, though. There's something uh, else on our website. Promo code? Famous, famous. If you're going to do something from Famous Smoke Shop, you're going to go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. You're going to click on that Famous Smoke Shop banner, and then you're going to shop from there, and then it will automatically enter a promo code for you, TNCC20. And if you order $100 or more, it's going to give you 20% off of that. $20. It's a good deal. Don't be like Tut. Get free shipping by adding a fiver on Cigar Monster. I tell you every time. Insider. That, that, that's a pro tip. Pro tip. Trade, trade secrets. Um, well, thank you, uh, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we're going to do this as, as much as we can through the end of the year, like I said. Um, in the meantime... especially since we don't um, have a president who's playing nice. Sore loser. Let's just say it. Let's just call it how it is. TNCC is anti-sore losers. When we lose, we just say, hey, we fucking lost. No, we just usually just drink our faces off. Well, he doesn't drink, and that's your first sign that something's wrong with this fucking dude. Uh, but if we, when we do lose, you're right. We just drink until we forget about it. And maybe somebody should get, make yeah. this, maybe somebody should make that fat bastard a fucking drink. Um, it makes everything easier. Just party, right? Ted? <laughs> just party. Just party. Just party. Just party. You're rich and you got hot chicks all the place. Just party, asshole. And thank you, uh, folks at home for partying with us. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. God bless America. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.
Sayonara, motherfuckers. Take care. To learn more about the time I went to a Halloween party way back in 1979, dressed up as Officer Frank Poncherella, and my costume was so convincing that I ended up handcuffing a very willing Daisy Duke and took her back to my place. Or was it Marianne from Gilligan's Island? I really need to stop trying to keep up with these boys during the podcast. All this boozing is turning my memory into sour mash. Anywho, uh, what was I doing here? Oh, yeah. To learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit www.dunbartoncigars.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying, until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky. And for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. <laughs> <laughs>